my loves. Welcome to True Cult Pop. Episode 20 this is. Bloody hell. The big 2-0. We're not teenagers anymore. We're, I mean, I'm certainly not a fucking teenager anymore. It's me, Stephen Hill. Hope you're good. Closer to being a teenager. Although, I'm afraid um, that ship has sailed a little while ago, hasn't yes. it, Sam? Sam Slight. Here he is. Uh, um, when, when were you last a teenager? What year? Uh, it would have been 2013. It would have been my That's last mental. year of teenagedom. 2013. Yeah, because I turned 20 in 2014. Because that's how time Jeez, works. So, yeah. It is, yeah. The maths is correct. I'm checking the maths now. And it is correct. There we go. Yeah, you're the quite mental right. abacus has and spun. Or whatever abacuses do. I don't use them. I'm not old enough. Ten, ten years of not being a teenager has not made him pleasurable to mine eye. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, get the partridge in early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always get a partridge early. Speed partridge. Definitely. That's what this essentially is going on. On this week's show, we're going to be doing alan partridge <laughs> no we're not we're going to be doing other things but firstly sam you're right what's going on yes i'm well thank you it's funny that we should start with a chat about age because uh had to go into work to help out with delivery yesterday and i have actually hurt my back a little bit so i've Classic. got the slump spine of stephen hill it's come through uh zoom somehow some sort of osmosis yeah um 32 is when the the, the, the back went ah. you've gone from just sort of being quite achy at gigs to literally like <laughs> this is now a problem for your life going forward. I remember, I think it was in 2021, uh, when Palm Reader were doing Sleepless in Full, the two of us being at their garage show, and I was going to you, come on, get in that yeah. fucking pit during Swarm. And you went, oh, fuck it. Mm. And then the next day, uh, or whenever the next podcast came out, you were complaining about your back, and I did think, oh, I, I did that, didn't I? That was me. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. But yeah, a big, you're a big bully. You're basically, a bully. yeah, yeah. Like, like everyone. I'm like a bully, a bully from that uh, in Rockstar game bully oh yeah fuck me remember it was that? great couldn't make that now oh you? no it was yeah, good the woke liberal elite i wish yeah, they would honestly i know it's a shame you can't have a game where you just bully kids <laughs> now because i think that is actually i remember thinking that game was was good like i don't really want to go around actually shooting people and stealing cars but nicking people's sweets bikes. and not like, push yeah. yeah bikes and stuff like that and getting into scraps in the mm. playground great idea for hey, a it was game. good yeah fingers crossed we one day get a sequel but we'll see Bring it back. <laughs> the campaign to bring back Bully starts here. Got loads of shit as well, didn't it? We should have had that in the most... We, no, I was about to say, we should have had that last week in the most controversial not music, music video. video there, we just it, so. Not a music video in any way no. whatsoever. Anyway, look, let's get on with it. On the show this week, we are going to be talking about the Grammys. Hey. Always a favourite thing <laughs> for us to do. But actually, quite a lot of interesting stuff happened at the, glam, at the, the Glammys. Oh. The Grammys. Um, Matt Healy watches inevitably oh back. is it cool i don't tommy, know about this one so cool okay tommy lee got his cock Classic, out yeah we're gonna, we're gonna try and work out why he did that <laughs> um i went to see koji radical nice. that is actually good we'll talk about that yeah and we're going to be reviewing new music from a very eclectic but i would say rather excellent bunch mm. of albums from in flames young fathers little yorty and narrowhead so look forward to that. If you go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop, you can sign up for our exclusive content over there, which is being added to and has been added to this week. If you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, we have a Your Cult Pop going up on Saturday morning on Plastic Beach by Gorillaz. Pretty much the first time Sam and I have ever been able to sit down and properly talk about any of the works of Damon Albarn. 
I tell you what, I very much doubt it will be the last. Mm, I I can't imagine it will be. Um, yeah, because I'm gonna for, I'm gonna tie you up in a force you to listen to Park Life and throw cold water <laughs> over you until you admit that you like it. Basically. Okay, that's fine. I mean, I am actually going to revisit. I mean, one of the cruxes of the chats that we had is that I think I've. Uh, got Damon Albarn wrong sort of in my my listening life where I was like no he just does that thing that's like kind of bad Britpop but actually he does so so much he does it so brilliantly so I tell you what Steve this time next week I will let you know what I think of Park Life or okay. I might just do it later well, when I've listened to it and I text you so you can't yeah. attack me verbally tune, tune in for mm. that next week so yeah we did talk about gorillas I mean look you know I think um yeah it's a funny one is it because Plastic Beach as I say in the chat, I used to think was maybe my favourite Gorillaz album. Going back to it, I don't think it mm. is. But that's not to say it hasn't got some excellent things on it. And it is an interesting conversation. Yes, I definitely. Um, I think it's interesting to come at it from two different angles as well. Because uh, as we discuss in it, uh, I remember the first two Gorillaz albums coming out as a wee lad. And then I don't remember Plastic Beach at all. For me, Gorillaz just totally dropped off the face of the earth until about about 2017 when they started doing a run of gigs and I was like oh they still exist and then I realised they had all these other mm. albums so yeah it was quite cool to come at it from those different perspectives so you can sign up for any amount you like and you can get access to that you can even suggest an album for Sam and I to talk about as well I did actually see an interesting thing that somebody put on uh, the download festival forum saying oh you should do a sort of special classic album-esque patron thing on do the right thing because we we're speaking about it when we did our fear of a black mm. planet special and i know i did say when we sort of first started this i was like if you want to suggest a book or a movie or a anything right you can suggest it we haven't actually done any of that yet and i think maybe uh, i think you need to know your limitations a little bit in life because i sort <laughs> of thought god the idea of doing a podcast as much as i i fucking love do the right thing but the idea of doing a podcast about it and trying to kind of critically talk about it in the same way as like Mark Commode or Roger Ebert or somebody who actually knows about deeply about the history mm. of film and understands the medium far more than me. I think I might end up just looking like a dick. I'd, I'd end up looking like a man doing an MMA podcast <laughs> uh, when they've basically spent their whole life writing about Fallout Boy. Just as a random what, example. What a you funny know? example. A, as a random, what a random example that is. But, you know... Um, yeah, I just think that might be might be a little bit much. So we're going to kind of we are actually going to kind of stick to music. Although I appreciate the idea and that somebody would be interested in our thoughts yeah. in that film and us to listen uh, listen to <laughs> for like two and a half hours. But we might put that's good in it. It's just good. That I like the bit where the camera follows the actor. That's good. Tell you what I like. Can I shock you? I like the camera angles. Oh, I love a bit of cinematography, me. To be fair, though, I think, you know, maybe music documentaries might not be too far and beyond the realms of possibility. But I think a film like that where music is an integral part, but not the central pillar might be a bit beyond us. But we'll see. Music films, music books, I think stuff like that. Yeah, music documentaries, music TV shows. I think we could or do that. Or copycats by Bobby Davro and the like, yes. Or copycat. I mean, actually, yeah, no, to be fair, if you want to <laughs> um, say you want a Patreon special on season three of Copycats from 1987. Oh, season three? Copycats, oh, okay. if you weren't... 
I, I'm up to season I three now. I've actually been obsessively watching. So there's a, a, I don't know how much you spoke about this last week, but there is a show that used to be on ITV in the 80s called Copycats, where a bunch of quite bad is Mike Osman, Bobby Davro, Andrew Connor. Andrew Connor's the worst. I don't know if any of you remember or know Andrew Connor. He is the, he's got to be the worst impressionist <laughs> ever. I saw him doing William Shatner yesterday. Oh, God. When I was watching it on YouTube, I'm just, I hate watching mm. it. I find it on YouTube and I hate watch it, right? I absolutely think it's dreadful, but I cannot stop watching it. Six minutes. I was watching an episode yesterday. Six minutes, three people blacked up in the first oh, six minutes. God. Yeah. Unbelievable. 1987. Different time. That is not going to make you sign up for our Patreon base, <laughs> to be fair, that little rant about copycats, but... I'll crack on. I think I've mentioned it before, although we just keep mentioning yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I keep shoehorning it in to get you to talk about it, basically. <laughs> True copycats pop. <laughs> We're going to change the name of this podcast. If you want to sign up for £5 a month, you'll get two classic albums. As mentioned, we had just done Public Enemies Fear of a Black Planet with Neil Kakani coming on being very excellent. That was a very, very serious chat. This week that's just gone, if you're listening to this podcast when it first comes out, We've literally just put up, oh, less than 24 hours ago, we put up Gwen Stefani's Love Angel Music Baby, two and a half hours, talking about the debut album from the Queen of Scar turned global pop superstar icon and one of the most instantly recognisable faces in 2000s music in that world. I was a little bit worried about this one, yeah. Sam. I'm not going to yeah. lie, because I know I like it. I know how much I like it. And I know how much I like Gwen Stefani. But I wondered if I was going to bring it to you and you were going to echo the thoughts of a hardy few of our listeners who have commented on social media going, really? Gwen Stefani's solo album mm. is a classic album. Not my words, Lynn. <laughs> the words of the Grammys in 2006 who nominated it for album of the year. But, you know, as we'll get to, that doesn't necessarily mean no. anything. But... You liked it, didn't you? I did very much, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would also echo the, the sort of voices of the listeners where when you suggested it, I was like, yeah, you sure about that? It's, um, you know, it's not the wall, but uh, hey, different strokes for different folks. It's a way better album than I uh, thought it had any right to be, as a spoiler alert. It's really, really consistently mm. strong. There are there are some serious dips on it, but like overall, a lot, lot better than I expected it to be. And I will say it's worth signing up for that tier purely because it's the most I've ever laughed on Mike when we were talking about Fergie's album. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I was still <laughs> yeah. still laughing about that after we'd stopped recording. <laughs> yeah, that is That's good. a good bit. That, that is yeah, a funny, yeah. that is a funny bit. So anyway, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. You can sign up for any of them or either of them there or both of mm. them there if you want. Right, Um, let's move on. This week, Sam, I have been doing a thing where I have had to listen to, as I had to, well, no, I have had to, every single Duran Duran solo stroke side project that all of the members of Duran Duran okay. ever did. So this week I've been listening to Neurotic Outsiders and The Power Station and Arcadia and <laughs> Reef with Andy Taylor. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of that stuff. Some of it I'd heard before. Some of it I hadn't heard before. But one of the things that I did listen to that I'd never heard before, but I remember hearing rumours of back in the day, and it can, it's released completely past me by, was the album Bored with Prozac 
by TV Mania, mm. who are basically Nick Rhodes, the keyboard player from Duran Duran, and their guitarist in the 90s, uh, Warren Cucurullo, right? And Warren Cucurullo was in Duran Duran for a bit, and he uh, basically wrote Ordinary World, which was their big hit in the 90s. He wrote that, you know that? He wrote that riff. Living in a material so, world, and it's an ordinary world. That one, yeah. That's oh, no, I don't know it then. Sorry, mate. I think you know mm. that. Anyway, TV Mania were a band sort of in the late 90s that got mentioned that these two were going to do. And they said, oh, we're going to do this weird industrial ambient electronic thing. And it never came out. Nothing happened. And then in 2013, this completely passed me by. Somebody just found the album that they'd done somewhere and it got uploaded and put out. Oh, okay. And so I'd never listened to it and I'd completely forgotten about it. But in the research for this thing that I was doing, I went and listened to that album and I was quite shocked at, I mean, it doesn't sound particularly current because it is, it's is—it's been out for 10 years and it was written <coughs> 15 years before that. But considering it's Duran Duran in the 90s, basically, mm. two members of Duran Duran in the 90s, this is a really weird record, like a really weird record. And this song is the opening song on it, What About mm. God? It's really it weird. It is weird. Can I just quickly start with my thoughts on this, dude? Because that does cast it in a slightly yeah. new light. But I'm just going to read to you my notes verbatim. So I have written, now look, Steve, I basically have no notes for this. It feels like an intro track to an album that I've got no time or inclination to listen to because without wishing to sound old, nothing happens here. It's nicely produced nothing, but nothing all the same. This is the first track that I think you brought in where I don't really see anything in it. It's just like, it just kind of pootles along and nothing really happens. It's properly meandering, sort of ambient rubbish for me anyway. So go on, the case for the defence. Well, I mean, it's funny that this came along because I have um, been listening to Boards of Canada a little bit this week. I went for, I went to a, to a cafe on Saturday morning and randomly they were playing Boards of Canada. And I sat down and I was like, oh, my God. And, I, you know, I've spoken about Boards of Canada a fair bit. And they had um, they had Giyogi uh, Daddy. I don't know how you... Giorg I've never known how you say... Get, yeah, Giorg, Giorgi Di Gadi, the, the album, whatever okay, it's okay. fucking called. The, the one that everyone goes on about. And I was like, oh, this is like a really nice thing to eat my chicken and waffles to. Ooh. You know? like Yeah, I had chicken and waffles. Never had it before. It's quite mm. nice. Um, and I was like, what a great, you know, what a great little fucking weird ambient. And I had a little period in the sort of early 2000s where I really liked this kind of very weird atmospheric ambient stuff right and border canada were one of the bands one of the artists that i liked from it the most and i went back home and i put my favorite release of theirs is <laughs> like a, kind of a bit like when i was talking about the uh burnt by the sun four track <laughs> yeah, ep yeah. uh in a beautiful place out in the country which is a four song 24 minute long ep that border canada put out it's absolutely fucking brilliant. It's really, really great. And you can put it on in 24 minutes and it just is like incredibly calming. And so I was like, oh, I really like Border Can. I should listen to that again. So I listened to that. And then I got sort of doing this Duran Duran thing and I listened to TV Mania pretty much for the first time. And I thought two things. I thought, one, this would have been written 
before any of that stuff like your boards of canada or air or uh, maybe not autecra i mean the tech are a bit more kind of chaotic mm. than that but like before any of that kind of really super ambient chill stuff made any kind of super mainstream breakthrough so i thought it was interesting little look into the the, uh, the the minds of these guys who were you know 80s synth pop superstars who were clearly inspired by a very underground type of electronic music which hadn't really found that much of a mainstream voice yet and i thought actually it was a pretty good impression of that type of thing and obviously like i would have picked anything you pick as one song from this tv main yeah. album just like anything i were to if i was to give you if i was to give you like kid for today by by boards of canada you as a song and you'd have listened to it and gone this is the song you're listening to at the moment you would have gone i mean it's six minutes nothing really yeah. happens right essentially like and, and i think there's really cool like it basically kind of rides along on i say rides along it just kind of glides on warren cucurillo's weird ambient jangly guitar part I and mean, we're not even jangly are they because they just play too slowly for it to be mm. jangly but i just thought it was really interesting i think the album as a as a piece in, in full is is quite good i think it's a it's a pretty decent impression of some music that I really like, although I have to be in the mood to listen to that type of music. I really, really have to be in the mood to want to listen to that. So yeah, I can see how you would think in isolation, one of these songs doesn't really do anything. I can completely understand mm -hmm. that. Um, I would say that's probably true of anything that like Fortet or Flying Lotus or any of that stuff. Like most of it works in sort of long form album format yeah, rather yeah. than bite-sized chunks you don't really get those bands never none of those bands really ever had a single like there's no kind of hit single from that kind of ambient electronic movement of the late 90s into the early 2000s but i thought it was just it was it was funny to me to actually go oh my god yeah I like i love boards of canada and then to play them and then to hear this and then to kind of put the two together and go fucking hell like that's interesting and the album is quite good like it's not rubbish you know i think for considering that you wouldn't expect nick rhodes from duran duran to be amazing at making us oh i don't know maybe you would because they come from a time where this synth pop thing was underground you know like they were one of the first bands to sort of break through and turn that into mainstream uh yeah music, something more they, commercially really? viable so, yeah definitely yeah so look i don't think this is an amazing song but what i think is it's an interesting interesting little tidbit it's an interesting little um curio for people who maybe hadn't uh been able to put two and two get like if you're into this kind of stuff if you're into that sort of you know late 90s early 2000s ambient electronic stuff and you weren't aware that two of the guys from duran duran at their I guess they're most commercially fucked, mm. made this weird album. It's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the story behind it that you've just given there um, <laughs> certainly uh, enthralls me more than actually listening to this song. But as you say, it's not something that really exists in sort of bite-sized chunks. So maybe I should give the album a full listen. I'll tell you what, I'll do it in the middle of a park life sandwich and then that will inform what I actually think of Blur. Because if I really, really do hate this all the way through, I'll be like, no, park life is good, actually by comparison so yeah i don't know if you've worked that just, out 
Just because, yeah. what if you hate both of them? Well, I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Although, to be true. fair, I mean, I don't hate this. It's just, it, it really just washed over me. It's just kind of nothing. But then I guess, yeah, maybe over the long form, I'll see some more merit in it. Maybe something will unlock in the annals of my mind and I'll be like, oh, no, this is good, actually. This is as good as Rio. It's a... <laughs> it's not as good as Rio, fucking hell. <laughs> it's a different sort of nothing is what yeah, I'm saying. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like... You know, and you get songs that are meant to be pop songs and you go, well, I can't fucking, there's no hook there. It's not very well produced like that. It, there's there's nothing here for me. I don't think this is that. I don't think this is trying to get in your face and be like, you know, memorable. Mm. I don't think it's trying to do that. I think it's trying, it's more of a kind of, like I say, an ambient wash, a soundscape. And I think for that, it's at least interesting side projects eh? what are they like <laughs> what are they like the silly beggars well, side projects are mad aren't they some of them it's quite just interesting because the other things you know i've heard power station before obviously and i've heard arcadia and you do go oh yeah well you know that sounds a bit like duran duran whereas this just doesn't no, at all. no I, I had no so, idea who was involved in this and you certainly don't get any hint of that from the actual execution of it so fair play for trying something different you guys mm, so i mean apparently they had 60 songs formed in 1995 oh. and then sort of didn't bother with anything because uh, Cucurello left Duran Duran in uh, 2001 and then the classic Duran Duran got back together for Astronaut in a couple of years later uh, and it just sort of sat on the shelf just doing nothing and then in 2013 they just sort of Someone just it yeah. and went, oh, we'll, we'll put that out then. Down cool. the back of the sofa. Uh, it was pretty good. TV Mania. I mean, probably more bored with Prozac. It's bored with Prozac and the internet mm. is the name of the, the album. So enjoy that. Uh, you have gone for something uh, also, I would say, sort of slight as well, although this is a very different thing, really. Yeah, so this isn't necessarily, uh, well, certainly not as slight as what you've brought in, but it's um, it's not quite as bombastic as a lot of the more poppy stuff that we tend to bring in, whether it's on the more metallic end or sort of dance hall or even just straight up synth pop bangers. But I have brought in uh, An Otherwise Disappointing Life by Frightened Rabbit. It's um, track seven from their 2016 album, Painting of a Panic Attack, that um, ended up being their final LP after the um, very sad disappearance and then um, tragic death of their Lead singer and frontman and visual artist um, Scott Hutchinson. Um, I think this is a really, really interesting Frightened Rabbit album, especially as the last one, because there are so many questions about where they would quite go. Um, so this album was produced by Aaron Dessner of The National, who befriended the band, sort of got to know them when Frightened Rabbit supported them on a 2013 tour and then expressed an interest in producing their records. And for Painting of a Panic Attack, they were starting to incorporate some more electronic elements to their sound. And we've spoken a fair bit since doing the York Up Up on the Twilight Sad about my undying and unyielding love of bleak Scottish indie. And Frightened Rabbit absolutely fit into the mould of the Twilight Sads and Arab Straps that I absolutely adore. And this song is one that has always really stuck with me. I was really surprised to find out that this wasn't a single from the album either, because um, I just think this has got so much, such a beautiful kind of anthemic bleakness to it. Um, I think it's a masterclass in dynamism, building from this you know quite slight sort of acoustic guitar riff into basically a stadium-sized chorus that is, yeah, a sort of heartaching defiant tragic but self-assured in its preservation kind of track um i think scott hutchinson's lyrics are absolutely gorgeous they're so nakedly vulnerable and so bare 
um, and yet still leave room for some interpretation. Like they can be stark, but at the same time, a little bit obtuse in terms of some of the metaphor he uses. But it really is when you get to that chorus. It's such a rousing, sad anthem. The um, in an otherwise disappointing life made right on an otherwise disappointing night. There's a fire. I don't need water. I just want to wave goodbye, goodbye to an otherwise disappointing life. I mean, that's a proper light is in the air while your mascara is streaming down your face kind of thing. I think it's an absolutely beautiful song, and. There's that old adage of like any good song can be stripped down to play, be played on an acoustic guitar. There's a great live performance they do in studio for a local radio station in the promotion of this album where they do do an acoustic version of an otherwise disappointing life. And it is even more sort of captivating and spellbinding than I think even the album counterpart, in part because you can see the expressions and, and the almost the joy in Scott Hutchinson's face to be performing this song with his band, his um brother one of the members of frightened rabbit as well um it's just it's so heartbreaking and i've got such a soft spot for (laughs) really really sad but grandiose songs it's one of the reasons i absolutely love elliot smith for example um yeah i just think this is a beautiful song and that chorus melody has been stuck in my head for about six months so what do you think steve have you listened to much frightened rabbit before i haven't i mean i was about to say i have never really listened to this band at all if I'm being honest, right. I remember when Scott Hutchinson passed away in 2018 and a lot of people were really very sad about that event. So they were a band who seemed to be beloved by a lot of Mm. people and they really connected with a lot of people and I could tell that. Um, But I don't know. I don't know much about this band at all, really. Um, And But this song, I think, is... You know, it doesn't really do much that you haven't heard a lot of bands do previously. But it is a very emotionally stirring thing. I mean, the guitar tone that opens it, I think, is really Mm. lovely. And I think once you know what happened with Scott Hutchinson, you know, like you say, I just want to wave goodbye to an otherwise disappointing life. I think it's really Mm. moving. I think this is one of those occasions where there are bands in the world who really don't need to do much to do a lot. Do you mm. know what I mean? I think I look at someone like, um, uh, who would be an, an example that I would think would be like, well, okay, so like Jimmy Eat World at their best, right? So Clarity or Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World. There's nothing really spectacular or unusual or genre-defining or groundbreaking about Jimmy Eat World. They're just, those songs are just really, really, really great. And they kind of, are laced with such incredible, powerful emotions, whether those are emotions of joyousness or kind of deep sadness and heartbreak. I think they're a band that can really reach out and and get you in the feels. And I think this does that. Mm. You know, it's made me think that probably I should go and listen to Frightened Rabbit. I, I mean, I a lot. I more. would say this album be the one to start with. It was certainly the one I started with, and then sort of delve back. And similar to the Twilight Sad, actually, I think it's the slight sort of inclusion of. Oh well, with Twilight Sad, it's much more on the nose. But the inclusion of electronic elements and accoutrements that I think really draws me in, and then makes it I don't know more sort of salacious to go back and check their more stripped back indie stuff from their early career but yeah i think frightened rabbit are really really strong band i think you'd really like uh, a fair bit of their stuff to be honest in the same way that we both liked the twilight sads um it won't be like this all the time um yeah as you say i think it's one of those songs where knowing the kind of aftermath because i didn't hear this until after scott hutchinson had passed away um but it does make it that much more profound 
um yeah just absolutely beautiful and the sparseness of it like you say it's it's just built on sort of layering and layering and layering loads and loads of simple elements but it coalesces into this absolutely glorious yeah stadium-sized cry i think yeah it was um a song that kind of grabbed me on first mm. listen and i thought it was i thought it was really excellent it's just yeah a really a really beautiful song and um yeah man it is uh it's very good very good indeed so there you go frightened rabbit and otherwise disappointing life probably the better of the two songs i, I would say so yes <laughs> i think so yeah all right um i went to see koji radical at xoyo yeah in east london in trendy hoxton last week as part of brit's week uh to benefit war child the charity it was it was very good uh by the way i mean xoyo as a venue i have to say when i knew it was there although i was excited to think i'm going to see koji radical his last headline show was at brixton academy in front of five thousand people right xoyo probably holds 200 people Ooh, blimey if that i would say it is it is small right it is very small but the last time i went there i saw armored hammer and i could barely see fucking anything because it gets so fucking packed in that place like absolutely ram packed so i was a little bit like am i actually gonna be able to see anything so i made sure that i got there early so that i could get myself a decent space in the uh in the venue to make sure that i could actually you know see this person i was going to see because it was a little bit like oh man it's a bit annoying that i couldn't see hardly anything uh, at the time i got there and i saw a little bit of olivia dean who was the second support act who i don't really know anything about and played uh acoustic it was uh, one guitarist and vocals one vocal mic one guitar oh, okay. very kind of slight acoustic modern pop ballady stuff clearly very talented didn't really leave that much of an impression on me doesn't really sound like an amazing fit for a koji radical show especially an intimate one like that but then i suppose you wouldn't have a support act like that at brixton would you where they get absolutely lost so fair enough an interesting no piece. probably not and you know like i think when you look at who's supporting who during this brits week as well it, it's sort of similar but obviously these are people who are brit, brit approved sure. in a lot of ways you know so i mean it was sugar babes last night at the garage which i didn't get a chance to go to because you know like that guest list was mental and i couldn't get tickets so but I think I can't remember who was supporting them, but if somebody, I was like, oh, that's a weird fit with Sugar Babes. But anyway, um, yeah, Koji Radical came on. So they came and they did a little chat about War Child, which is a very, very good charity. And I think, you know, if you get a chance, you're going to have a look and see the sort of stuff they do. And they've obviously been linked with music for decades now. And I wondered, having seen Arm and Hammer, where they just literally brought like a fucking 808 on stage with them and press play and then rapped over it and was sort of wandering in and off the stage it wasn't much of a show when i saw that and i was like i wonder if cagey radical will bring a full band with him in full production mm. or will he just sort of go here's the backing track i'm gonna rap over the top of it but he didn't he brought a full band so he had a bass player absolutely incredible bass player fyi like fucking brilliant who was also playing synth and keyboards at the same time as well great drummer and a guitarist so he had a full band it was a sort of four four piece ensemble including him as well and he walked out 
and he was wearing like Timmy Mallet sunglasses. <laughs> he was wearing a, like a rain Mac, like Frank Spencer. And yet he still looked like the coolest fucking person I've ever seen in my entire life. He is just so effortlessly, amazingly cool. He was just so fucking cool. Like the dude just wandered out and the charisma was just off the charts. Do you know what I mean? You go, there's someone who can headline Brixton mm. Academy. I mean, imagine even at Brixton Academy, you'd be like, this guy's amazing. And, you know, started with... Uh, the title track from last year's Reason to Smile album, which to be fair, is the only album that I've properly, and the only music of Cozy Radicals that I've really delved into, but I do love that album. It's got repeated plays for me. It was in my top 20 albums of 2022. I absolutely love, love, love that record. He sounded fucking brilliant. And, you know, he, he took his Mac off and then he was wearing like a silk shirt underneath it he took that off at one point down to like a string vest he took that off and he was just top and again like absolutely ripped <laughs> these fucking absolutely right i don't know how you get abs like that like certainly not at my age but like i don't know how you get abs like, that. like he was he was fucking ripped he sounded great he's got this thing where he's kind of to me like i think i said it when we spoke about the album on the end of the year podcast he has this thing where he manages to be like a funk soul singer but also a really, really great mm. MC. So he sort of sits somewhere between, there's like a prism. The Koji Radical prism is like ODB, Andre 3000 and James Brown. But the middle of the prism is East London, <laughs> right? So it's like if those three concocted somebody, but they're from East wow. London. It's all very British. But at the same time, like his dance moves were really James Brown, Andre 3000. When he got, when he gets the flow on, he's actually a really, really great rapper. He's like, his flow is actually really, really great. And it's something that I did think from listening to the record. I never went like, oh, Cody Radical's not a good rapper. Like I, I always was like, he's great. But I don't think I quite appreciated how good an MC is as opposed to like how well he finds hooks within the more soulful parts of okay. his music so he's got both of those things down and when you see him you're like oh this guy's a really really fucking good rapper especially when he's moonwalking and he grabs someone's phone out of the audience and he was like they were like live streaming it and he grabbed it and he was like rapping and moonwalking and like filming himself and pulling fucking faces and stuff and i was like Crikey. he's got the lot he's got the lot this yeah. geezer he's got the fucking lot and then he climbed up onto the the mixing desk in the middle and i'd positioned myself right by the mixing desk so i was right on the other side because it kind of bottle, bottlenecks a little bit that venue because you come in from one door by the sort of stage right and that's the only way in and the only way out. So I was like, right, if I get all the way over to the other side, I'm not going to be pushed away and to the bar where I can't see anything. I'm only going to be pushed to sort of the side and you can't go anywhere. You're going to be able to see the stage. Came and stood right next to me, did like two songs from the um, from standing on the mixing desk, basically. And it was, it was fucking raucous. Mm. Like, you know, it was really fucking raucous. And it was a really cool mix of people as well. You know, I mean, it was only sort of, it was a small crowd, but it was a crowd who were clearly absolutely there to see him. Like super fucking raucous, really, really loud. Everyone was like well up for it. And I think like a lot gets said, again, it's something I've noticed over the last year or so of going to more and more of these gigs. A lot gets said by people in rock and alternative spaces. And you go to download, we're the most friendly crowd, blah, 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 blah all this. Like, I, I, I don't think no. we are. I don't, I, I'm not saying that people are more unfriendly at download, but to me, it was just as friendly, just as welcoming, just as, like, it, 
it's no different. It's absolutely no different at that Koji Radical show to, to the atmosphere at any other metal show that I've ever been to, I don't think. <coughs> Bless you, sir. Cool, that was a big sneeze, wasn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell, that came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, you've got, like, he did, like, Silk is amazing. I feel like Silk, smooth, sexy. you got that. And then you got, like, Nappy, where he's just talking about, you know, I'm not going to do the lyrics because it's about having a big willy and stuff and you know like the more laid back stuff like push a man somebody came out and brought a chair out for him and he sat on the chair and then did the kind of the 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 key change when the, the song went up like which felt like he was absolutely doing it as a as a yeah, joke yeah. right and it was it was you know it's it fucking wicked like he's got so many cool songs you know reason to smile like i said silk nappy did that pusher man was great war outside i think is fucking brilliant as well some of his older material which i maybe was a little bit less familiar with because you know i think he said um uh before he played um was it war outside i think it's before he played war outside he was like oh you know if you're just coming to me now and you've never heard of me before because you heard that because one of the which song of his one of his songs is on FIFA and I can't remember what song it is from this album but he, I think he said like you know if you come to me just because you bought FIFA like no matter how long it takes before you get into me just as long as you you know you're all welcome here now and, and I was a bit like yeah, yeah cool. you know I'm I'm pretty new I'm pretty new to, to him really do you mm. know what I mean I've only sort of known about him for a year and a bit and um, yeah it's fucking excellent and he ended with Payback which is just such a fucking banger such a fucking banger so good that he went off and everyone's just like one more song one more song and he just came on he went i don't have any more songs. i played everything <laughs> oh fantastic and he was like but i'll play it again i'll play it again if you want and he just played it again but this time like everybody people were getting on stage and dancing with him and stuff and it was just you know like it was one of those times where you see someone and you think you're gonna be massive yeah. Like you, I mean, you're already way bigger than this, but you are going to be massive. Like he's nominated, because he sort of went halfway through the gig. He was like, oh, it's been a, you know, a cool year. Got nominated for Mercury, got nominated for some Mobos, got nominated for a Brit. Can't fucking, and it's like, yeah, like, by the way, the reason he's playing this gig is he's been nominated for best newcomer at the Brits, like best new artist at the Brits. Like he's going to be big, right? Yeah. That's a pretty good indicator that he's about to be like, a, a much bigger artist than he currently it's is. I would pretty undeniable. I mean, you, when you think about the other people who have been nominated and won best, you know, best newcomer and stuff like that. I mean, Lil Sims comes to mind, doesn't she? Um, it's like, well, yeah. is he going to be sort of on on a par with that in terms of audience size? And you know, who knows? Who can say? But I mean, there's no way he's he's not going to be regularly doing that club, is he? He's not going to do 200 caps. No, for the rest I mean, of his he's life. already got to fucking. He's already got to fucking yeah, Bristol, precisely. so I think it's only going to get bigger, right? Um, and it was fucking great man it was really really good i thought it was excellent it was it's it's cool to see an artist who is just bursting out of those venues mm. you know just like way 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 too big to be playing a venue of that size so i thought it was really really good and the other thing as well is it just it's different for uk hip-hop right and i think little sims is actually like an all right comparison of koji radical although I think she is a bit different. Well, not even a bit. She's quite a lot different to him. But when you think of what you know, I've this time last year I was going to see Dave, and obviously I saw Ray J Tracy, and I saw you know there's a few people from the sort of UK grime and hip hop scene that I've seen live over the last year, and it's such a specific 
thing which feels very of the time feels quite modern mm. you know when you see like storms i'm seeing stormsy and you know obviously he harks back to a lot of gospel music but it was again quite different whereas not all of them really lean on in on like soul proper old school soul yeah. dancehall reggae rag like and koji radical he's got that thing which as much as i love like dave for example dave doesn't really ever remind me of james brown or marvin i mean you know koji even references being marvin in 69 in in one of his mm. songs you know like all of that stuff is in there so i think if you're somebody who's like ah uk hip-hop and grime and stuff like that like kano um <laughs> like or, or whoever like this is a different thing it's a very very different thing um i thought it was wicked i thought it was really really sounds wicked. like an incredible and i would show. love yeah it was great i would love him to what to to watch i would I'm sure he will watch the Brits. <laughs> I don't really care if he does or not, but I want him to win rather than yes. watch. Really good. Really, really, really good. So, you know, that's happening soon, I believe, the Brits. Let's talk about the Grammys. I was going to say, let, let's assume that he won't win it because he deserves to. Let's talk about the Grammys. <laughs> let's talk about the Grammys. So, quite a lot to talk about the Grammys. The first thing I really want to talk about is, I don't know if you watched this, but the 50th anniversary of hip-hop performance celebration, did you see that? Have you seen I'm that I'm afraid yet? I haven't. I, I've got it, like, bookmarked to go and watch, and I just didn't get around to do it, because I saw, like, Ice-T shouting about it on Twitter, and it's like, yeah, good for you. You should be fucking happy <laughs> about that. That's really cool. But no, I haven't seen it, so please, yeah. uh, for anyone who anyone who else who hasn't, please give us a little pricey of what happened. Well, it's about a 15-minute long clip mm. right i think it's 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 13 right. minutes um uh which was it was it's put together by quest love mm. and the segment has a lot of people in it yeah. right a lot of people and a lot of people i was like oh my god and a lot of people picking songs where i was like oh, i wouldn't have necessarily thought they'd have picked that song like salt and pepper came out and went my mic's out nice check right? and i was like oh, i wouldn't have thought, they'd, the I thought it would have been push it for, yeah. i would have thought it'd be push it right but no apparently not did totally um, come out Tone Loke didn't oh, come out, unfortunately. Really? I thought I was yeah. a glaring. Uh, but, you know, like, there was a lot. There was, I mean, Missy Elliott basically covered up completely, just com like in a tracksuit. I was like, is that is that Missy Elliott? Is it actually Missy Elliott? And it was. Um, but, the, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, highlights for me, certainly, I think, you know, hearing the message by, you know, hearing that kind of the, the Grandmaster Flash, like, straight away you were like oh my god this is amazing mm. this is going to go through everything kind of um from wherever and you know rakim um doing eric beer's president chuck d and flavor flav busting out with Re again rebel without a pause you wouldn't have thought they would have that would have been you wouldn't have thought that'd be the most obvious one for them to do but it was fucking mm. brilliant and hit seeing that the public enemy like logo plastered all across like on the stage on the floor on the ceiling behind them at the grammys i was like this band still feel yeah, dangerous yeah, they yeah. just still feel really fucking dangerous so that was great um you know della soul uh, uh turned up as well you had ll cool j i thought ice t the, 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 the angriest performance <laughs> of all of them was amazing and it, like <laughs> weirdly like nelly just rocking up doing um it's getting hot in doing mm -hmm. hot in here just like <laughs> out of nowhere i thought that was i thought that was like 
an odd choice again, a, but I thought it was a, like a, kind of an inspired choice, but like an odd choice as well. But it was that cool. like a bit of a total shift um, based on who he was following. But hey, fair play, you know, an important part of the the fabric of the genre. Yeah, but I mean, Buster Rhymes mm. came out and fucking crushed it. Buster Rhymes was amazing, like proper, proper amazing. There were you know, there was so many people. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else I didn't. Queen Latifah, LL Cool J. Um, oh my god, my mind's gone blank in the moment. Like DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh yeah, okay. uh, did a little bit of scratch. Of course he was. Yeah, it was, it was wild, good. Wild. And um, yeah, it, you know, it was uh, little baby was there as well. Um, I, it was really, really cool. It was really cool. It's one of the coolest things I've seen at the Grammys for a really long time. I'm trying to think, like Method Man was on there as well. Yeah, it was good because Method Man cut to Jay-Z and Jay-Z was like mouthing, mouthing along with them nice. as well. I was a little bit like, you should be up there really, shouldn't you, mate? Probably didn't want to, I would imagine. Probably did he? I mean, got too well, many Grammys to carry home. Uh, you'd think, you'd think he'd, he wouldn't turn that down though, would you? I don't Maybe. know him well enough. We haven't spoken in quite a while. You know how it is. You lose touch. Yeah. No. Sean to Sean to his friends. Yeah, good. So anyway, um, that was the that's the best thing I've seen from the Grammys. I thought it was I thought it was fucking ace. Uh, let's talk about the actual awards. So, album of the year, mm. right? Harry's House by Harry Styles, beating Renaissance by Beyonce. Mr. Moran, The Big Steppers. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. Voyage by ABBA. Special by Lizzo. 30 by Adele. In These Silent Days by Brandy Carlyle. I don't really think they ever had the chance of winning, but I would have been happy with that to win. Uh, Un Vivano Sinti. Easy for you to say. Oh, isn't that? By, yeah, by Bad Bunny. Uh, Music of the Spheres by Coldplay. Bloody yeah. hell. And fucking DJ Khaled's album as well. Right, okay. Oh, no, it's Mary J... Or it's Mary J. Blige's album, isn't it? But DJ Carly's got fucking got nominated for something. Yeah, so uh, Harry's House winning that. Now, Harry Styles went up and gave a speech where he said, this doesn't happen to people like me very much. And the internet kind of lost its yes. shit at him and said, yes, it does. It happens to white men all the time, right? Now, I'm not convinced that's what he meant. If there's one thing we know about Harry Styles, it's that he doesn't exactly have a way with words. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah. my read on it is, yeah, I can understand people getting annoyed because, you know, there has been a backlash to Harry Styles because he basically he's been a bit of a prat since the release of the album. I mean, he was prior to it as well, but he has been a prat, especially with the Don't Worry Darling sort of quote-unquote controversy and everything. And frankly, of those albums, I mean, that's probably like middle of the table. I mean, obviously it should have gone to Kendrick, would have been cool to go to Brandy Carlile, would have been cool for it to go to Beyonce, if not just for the sort of like history-making aspect of it, given that she's never won album of the year, which is pretty mad to me mm. when you consider the the, the catalogue that she has produced. Um, She's been beaten by some stuff which has sort of just faded away into obscurity I, as well. I can only it? imagine, yeah. I bet there's, there's stuff that you could probably list that she's been beaten by that I've not heard of because it just has not persisted in the way that a lot of her music is. But, yeah, Harry Styles, um, the p foot perpetually in his mouth. I assume what he means is blokes who are in boy bands who then get taken a bit more seriously as artists. I assume that's what he meant. But I can see why people would be annoyed because he is a bit of a burke. Yeah, I mean, I would assume he meant people in boy bands, and he's 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 right, really, isn't he? I mean, I suppose is there anyone? Just, Justin I'm Timberlake. sure Justin Timberlake's got a couple of Grammys. Yeah. I would have thought 
that um what's his face uh god no who else george michael probably has got a few grammys hit lying about probably, here and there yeah. if you count wham as a boy band but then when you look at i mean i was gonna leave from blue take that i've never <laughs> yeah blue and take that i've never won any fucking grammys before i've that's like kelly clarkson won some grammys as we discussed mm. on the gwen stefani thing so there are a few things here and there that you would go yeah you know like there is the odd thing but you know broadly speaking if you come up through that there's there's still a snobbishness it's going away now but there's still a snobbishness to people who were you know come from manufactured pop and you're right like is it the best album to win i I don't think so at all no but like it's also not the worst i don't want fucking bad like i'm sorry but if any of you like bad bunny I just don't like that shit. I can't get on with it. Lizzo won record of the year for about a damn time. That's fucking pretty decent, I think. Uh, Was quite happy to see that. Um, Song of the year, just like that, by Bonnie Raitt, which I don't think even she saw coming. If you see her Mm. acceptance speech, she was proper, you know, proper, proper surprised. Yeah, really take it back. Happened at all. Yeah, Adele didn't win anything. I'm quite surprised. It's normally Adele. A clean sweep you well actually no yeah no, she did actually that's not true she won easy on me best pop solo performance in in okay. pop so she she didn't make much of a splash really but um beyonce did end up b- breaking the awards for or breaking the the record for the most grammys won because she won best dance electronic recording for break my mm. soul fine and best dance electronica album for renaissance beating bonobo diplo odessa and rufus de soul now i've only heard three of those uh, i don't care much for diplo i do like bonobo i think i've sort of mentioned a few times before i do actually quite like bonobo but i also think that overall that was a bit of a closed case of a category so you know well done to her she didn't win the big big award on the night she still has never won the big award but has the most grammys ever doesn't she i think that has the most grammys ever i was like really really fucking delighted that best rock performance went to brandy carlisle for broken horses i think that actually is the best song that was nominated from that because you look at it so happy it hurts by brian adams like what <laughs> the fuck old man by beck it's a fucking cover black keys wild child don't need to talk about black keys do like crawl by yeah, idols I, I you know do that really is like fucking yeah. great yeah patient number nine no, by ozzy and we'll get to ozzy in a minute but no and holiday by turnstile like See, i would have loved turnstile to have won i would have fucking loved turnstile to have won but I can't be angry at a song as good as Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle winning. I feel the same in that I can't be angry at Brandy Carlisle winning, but it's like I, just, I wanted Turnstile to win every award, not even just the ones that were nominated yeah. for just everything. It would have been so fucking cool because they just are one of the cool, like in terms of guitar bands, they are the coolest band on the planet right now. And yeah. their music is fucking unbelievable. Like I know um, I was a bit surprised when it came to the end of year in 2021 where Turnstile wasn't in your top 20 because, I mean, for me, I think. No absolutely staggering note perfect album i think that is that's one people will look back on in a few years and it'll be like yeah that's a moment where things really changed in sort of hardcore and punk's favor in terms of mainstream acceptance or whatever Mm -hmm. and in terms of influence the invention that's on it so i want turnstile to get the absolute ends of the earth but that brandy carlisle song is fucking beautiful so that that's the one where i'm like okay i can i can concede turnstile missing out on that one 
Yeah, it also won Best Rock Song, which I don't understand what's the fucking Well, difference. I don't understand why Again, they've got Record of the Year and then Song of the Year, because a Record of the Year is yeah. not a single anyway. So it's like, well, why don't you just... Oh, honestly, too many, too many categories. Just fuck them off. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I was glad to see that one, although it did beat Blackout mm. by Turnstile. So what's the difference? Like Holiday was nominated and Blackout was well, And also, nominated. Blackout really is in Rock Song and Metal Performance. It's like, come on, lads, get it yeah. right. Sort it out. Yeah, it's really weird. Black Summer by Chili Peppers. Delighted to see that. Did yeah, win. Uh, Harmonica's Dream by The War on Drugs. That is quite good. And Patient Number 9. Again, we'll get to Aussie in a little bit. Best Rock Album. Aussie, Patient Number 9. Beating Black Eyed Keys. Black Born Eyed Keys. By Elvis Costello. Black Eyed... That'd be different. Bla- yeah, Black yeah. Keys. <laughs> Black Eyed Keys. Brilliant. Oh, mate. Can you imagine <laughs> if those two got together and called themselves the Black Eyed Keys? Mm. I don't think it bears thinking about, about Sam. Yeah. Uh, a Boy Named If by Elvis Costello, Crawler by Idols didn't win either, Mainstream Set Out by Machine Gun, Kelly, hilarious that that didn't win anything, uh, Lucifer on the Sofa by Spoon, Ozzy won the rock album, uh, come on, a Best Alternative Album, so again, you know, like this is a little bit interesting, I would say, Shades Lounge by Wet Leg, beating There Better Be a Mirror Boy by, Mirror Ball by Arctic good. Monkey, rubbish. Big Thief, Certainty. I Big mean, it, I don't gross. think it's as good as that. Big Thief, I'm fucking brilliant. King by Florence and Machine, not listening to that. Spitting Off the Edge of the World by Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And they won Best Alternative Album, beating Arcade Fire. I can understand <laughs> why that happened. Fasora by Bjork, uh, which was a great record, record, although... Difficult. Although, yeah, hard work, yeah. hard work, yeah. Call It Down by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And Dragon New War Mountain, I Believe in You by Big Thief. That Surely won. that, that should have won. won. Definitely. Surely that should have won. I mean, I know we were a little bit slow, or I was a little bit slow on the uptake with that, but that is fucking a brilliant oh, record. Absolutely right? amazing. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, we'll do the metal thing, right? Because I know they always get it wrong, though, don't they? Oh, they always get I was it just, wrong. Obviously, I was just at work the other day, and "Shock Me" by Baroness came on the playlist, and I was like, "Oh, look, it's the song that should have beaten Megadeth in 2017." Because it's like, come on, yeah. get it right, honestly, just for once in your damn I mean, lives. I- I think I think the, the nominations are broadly ridiculous. Yeah. Degradation Rules by Ozzy is pants. Don't need to listen to a song by a 70-something-year-old man talking to. about choke wanking. Don't no. need it. Blackout is not really a metal song. No, it's just got power chords. Kill or Be Killed is not really, by Muse, is not a metal or It's not song. a song, it's just a collection of things. No. It's rubbish. Will be back by Megadeth. I, I, I mean, I don't remember it, but I know I the album is fucking pants. My, I think yeah. I, I think I do prefer Ozzy's album to Megadeth's last album, as I, as I recall yeah, I from I the uh, do, yeah. metal review episode yeah. we did last year. And then the one that really you think, well, how is that not going to win? Is Call Me Little Sunshine by Ghost? Mate, obviously, that should have won. <laughs> obviously, yeah. I, as much as I think Turnstile is my favourite of those ghost of the band right and i just don't understand how it could be anything else and giving it to ozzy i i mean i know he's just quit touring and we spoke last week about what an important figure is and da, 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 da. and it doesn't really matter like at the end of the yeah. day it doesn't really matter i'm not sure loads of people would have gone out and bought turnstile albums if they got the metal grammy because do you know what i mean like it the fucking cleaner was still sweeping the floor when they gave this award out. So it doesn't really <laughs> no. matter. But it is just, you know, I mean, it's a tale as old as time, isn't mm. it? Again, again, we get another one. We go, guys, I I just sort of wonder if they'll ever get it right. 
I mean, when... do you know what I mean? Do you, do you just go? When will you ever get this right? I mean, you obviously don't give no. a fuck, and it's it's gone way, 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 way beyond the joke yeah. now. It's gone so far beyond a joke that you're just like, yeah, of course, of, of course, Selena Gomez is winning best male performance <laughs> next year. Demi Lovato, surely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Demi Lovato. I mean, I would have preferred that to Aussie, yeah. to be perfectly honest. But like, um, you know, they they just just don't give a yeah. fuck really do they and i think that you know we as metal fans of i think i actually think we're we me and you sam are probably the last people in the world talking about it really. yeah probably i don't think anyone else, i think metal was just gone yeah okay whatever dude whatever yeah and to be fair like i i get annoyed with myself that i do get frustrated by it because like as you say at the end of the day it doesn't matter i mean we were talking about um was it in relation to the Mercury's? I can't remember. Last time we spoke about an awards show, as I was saying, it's like, really? They don't matter. They're just, you know, a big sort of industry backslap. But then it is nice when a band that you do really like and believe in at least gets nominated. And then it's pretty <laughs> pretty irritating when they lose out to something that is objectively quite crap. Like Code Orange losing out to Megadeth as well. It's like, come on, honestly. Code yeah. Orange was the time where I went, Ah, uh, forget yeah, it. it. The dream is dead. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Forget it's Metallica it. losing to Jethro Tull all over again. Code Orange losing out to fucking Megadeth, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it's very, very silly. Um, oh, well. Best rap performance, The Heart Part 5 by Kendrick Lamar. What was that up against? I mean, I obviously love The Heart Part 5, but I can't remember what it beat. Vegas by Doja Cat. God Did by DJ Khaled. Push a P by Gunner and Future featuring Young Thug and FNN by Glorilla. Glorilla. I only know the Doge Cat one, so I'll take Kendrick winning that without question. Yeah, I'm not going to go through all of them, basically, but like Kendrick also won Best Rap Album for Mr. Morale and the Big Good. Steppers. Very, very like whatever sort of he was like thanks <laughs> of course i did thanks, thanks yeah. to the thanks to the culture <laughs> bye but i mean actually you know not the like again a weird when you think about what came out in hip-hop last year and god did by dj khaled i never liked you my future come home the kids miss you by jack fucking harlow and it's almost dry by push the t it's almost dry by push the t is good but like it's terrible terrible if i list, remember considering how yeah strong hip-hop was like really, really yeah that is really but anyway. if i remember rightly that jack harlow album i think uh the needle drops fans crowned that what certainly one of if not the worst album of the year if i remember rightly yeah yeah we also got another performance of unholy by kim petrus and yeah. sam smith dressed as the devil oh, they won't like that uh, will they the right wing media they won't like that sam smith's really gone for this like enfant terrible satanic panic shit I like oh i it. love yeah, it yeah. I love it. I love it. Like, they are fucking going full-blown for it. And Kim Peck just gave a really nice speech mm. when the the pair of them won the, I think it was best pop duo. vocal yeah, duo yeah. performance and gave a shout-out to Sophie. And, you know, as the first transgender person to win a Grammy, that was a very nice moment. I was, I was uh, heartened by mm. that. So the Grammys, as ever, a mixed bag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to talk about Tommy Lee put another picture of his cock on social media again. And I just, I've got this, I've written this down in the script because a load of people were talking about it. Is there a story? And there? now it's, I've it's got Tommy to Tommy Lee has got his knob out. I mean, it's like, okay, this has been happening since what, 1983? Yeah. I, and now I've got to it. And I'm like, why have I put this in here? Should we just move on to Healy Watch? 
think yeah. we should do. But basically, Tommy Lee got his dick out He's again got on Instagram. Mm-hmm. What, like, that is desperate desperate call for just relevance isn't yeah it? i mean if he wasn't famous i mean it'd basically be like a sort of civil case wouldn't it it'd be some sort of like assault yeah. case so nothing civil about this <laughs> oh wonderful <laughs> yes good what's matt healy done this matt time? healy has maybe bitten off more than he can chew this time oh, i think another Sam. steak <laughs> no he's fine oh, with okay. that he has told the gallagher brothers to stop messing around. Oh, Grow up, headline Glastonbury is what he said. He did an interview uh, on Q with Q Radio with Tom Power, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And he said, and I quote, can you imagine being in potentially right now still the coolest band in the world and not doing it because you're in a mod with your brother? Uh, I can handle Liam Neil Gallagher dressing up like they're in their 20s but being in their 50s but not acting like they're in their 20s. They need to grow up. They're men of the people and they're sat around in like little Venice and Highgate crying over an argument with their brother. Grow up. Headline Glastonbury. Have a good time. Have a laugh. There's not one kid, not one person going to a High Flying Birds gig or a Liam Gallagher gig that would not rather be at an Oasis gig. Do me a favour. Get back together. Stop messing around. That's my public service announcement for today. Now, Matty Healy, he's he's phased you. He's phased you. All right. Can I can I dissect? Um, there's a few points I take umbrage with there, which is um, imagine being in potentially the coolest band in the world. Still, no, Oasis are not the coolest band in the world. They were never the coolest band in the world. They were the coolest band in the world if the world ends at the fucking dover crossing that's fine um matt healy telling people to grow up that's a bit rich i like you matty but come on mate and um i also just really don't like oasis so i don't want them to reform and i want all their fans to be annoyed about it for the rest of time so there we go that's (laughs) fine well as an oasis fan of sorts not a fucking not one of those mad ones who just go wow and music's not as good as it used to be man <laughs> remember there were proper bands like northern opera and blue tones and now it's all this kendrick lamar and blount Blonce. <laughs> i don't like that mate i don't like it right i'm not one of those no, people of not. with a paul weller haircut a well right? i'm not that i'll be a fucking i wish i wish i could have a paul weller haircut but I would like Oasis to get back together. I think he's right. We've all heard Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, him doing a fucking Ricky Martin <laughs> Plastic Bertrand mashup, that fucking song, which is awful. She bangs, she bangs that one, terrible. And then Liam's album is, some of it's all right, but you don't really care. I'm not even expecting them to go and make a great album together were they to get back together. Of course together. they won't. Of course they fucking won't. Like, they couldn't do that when they were together, yeah. only five years after making, you know, one of the all-time great British debut albums ever. But I do think, like, everyone else is fucking reformed. Yeah, I was... Who no one gives a fuck... And they're bands who don't, no one gives a fuck about. Like, Symposium did some shows together last year. Like, Ooh, Gaz Jones is going to With all due you, respect, <laughs> Gaz Jones is going to fucking tweet me. As much as... Like I'm like, oh, you know, good for you, whatever. Like, if they can reform, just fucking do it for fuck's sake. Having seen Liam last year and it was great at the Royal Albert Hall, having seen Liam and it being really, really good, I would love to see actual Oasis again. I can't help it. 
I would love to see it, right? And I think Matty Healy is right. I think he's right. I, I, there is no excuse for those two to not just go, ah, fuck it. Like, it's been 14 years now. Yeah, I mean, without Oasis, petty and pathetic at this point. I mean, if they just don't want to do it, like, fine, but don't have some fucking media sparring match every time your brother wears, I don't know, a different fucking parker and go, ah, well, yes, actually, well, my next album's going to be better than his clothes. It's like, oh, fuck off, you Our stupid Our kid wants wanker. to call us. Should I give him a car? What should I do? Like, <laughs> don't, no, 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 no. Just fucking, like, I am a little bit like, can we, come on, 14 years like, you're not going to get a chance. If they don't do it now, it's not going to happen. And then you'll fucking regret it. You'll be sat in a bloody nursing home. and you're Still thought, singing like, Wonderwall. No, yeah, or when Noel's going, no, no, She Bangs <laughs> is a much better song than <laughs> fucking Champagne Supernova. It's not, mate. It's not. Come back. You could play to fucking 150,000, 200,000 people. Do that. Like, and But the thing is, in reference to Matty Healy, you don't want to fucking start shit with like they're gonna tear this poor little fucker yeah. apart. I don't think he knows. Like it's one thing having a go at like your 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 posh fans with silly mm. names. It's another thing having a Kanye. go at Kanye and Donald Trump. Uh, like you don't have a like you mate. Fuck me. You can't have a go at Oasis. No. You've got to fucking know your place, lad. I think there's going to be serious re- repercussions for this. Reparations will have to be paid. <laughs> Matty Healy will be found the aftermath. in the Thames with a concrete vest. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, he will. Or the Mersey, like, that's up north, isn't it? So, yeah. Tied up tied up by pretty green jumpers uh, uh, with his hair cut into like... A bad haircut, yeah. You know, that isometric fringe thing. He's in big trouble. He is. I reckon he's... Big he's, trouble. He's a goner. Healy Watch is nearly over this is it. for us. This is the end of this yeah. podcast. We're basically piggybacking <laughs> off of his mad opinions. <laughs> and uh, I fear that there may be no more. Oh. So, you know, steady on Matty Healy. Right, anyway, let's do some reviews. I'm going to start, Sam. Hope you of don't course mind. Not. With Foregone by Inflight. No, well, you have to wait to hear what oh, I say yeah, first, okay. right? Oh, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm upset then. <laughs> <laughs> Forgone by In Flames, the 14th studio album from the Swedish Melodeth Legends, the following up the follow-up, I should say, to 2019's I the Mask album. Now, when In Flames are good, I would say Come Clarity was the last really great album they did, but Come Clarity, Reroute to Remain, Claimen, The Jester Race, all that stuff. In Flames are a great metal band. One of the all-time great metal bands very very influential obviously incredibly influential very very unique in their sound they've got some great songs they can be fucking good live they've got something about them which is so specific that i love when they're at their best they also evolved to a point where they felt like they were still remaining contemporary and changing with the times and then around 2008 it all dropped off and in flames have been shocking they haven't even been average they have been shockingly shite for at least a decade now like not even not quite up to it like genuinely fucking dire for so long siren charms from 2014 is a bad record badly produced with no songs either mask is boring, over overblown, phoned in, way too melodic, not heavy, got none of the things that made In Flames interesting. 
and battles from 2016 is just is actually embarrassing mm. is actually embarrassing as a 50 year old man wearing like cycling lycra shorts like or something you just go what are you doing what are you do- why are you trying to sound like that you you are you're embarrassing yourselves so the last album of theirs that you could even begin to describe as being even half decent i would say really would be a sense of purpose from 2008 i know sounds of a playground fading from a few years later has its fans i'm not really one of them although i don't hold it in the same low level as the other three that i just mentioned but that is a long time mm. and i thought that due to that fact there would be no way on earth that we on this podcast would be covering an inflamed album in 2023 because i don't want to just slag stuff no. off that's not interesting i don't want to just slag stuff off but we have decided to review it. Before we do, after my preamble, Sam, how do you feel about In Flames? I suppose you're too young to actually remember them ever being good, aren't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Um, so In Flames have always been a bit of a shorthand for like an absolute catastrophe of a metal band as far as I've been paying attention, really. Um, yeah, they're not a band I've spent loads and loads of time with. I mean, I mentioned when we were talking about um, Obituary a few weeks back, death metal, I would say, in terms of the sort of broad sub-genres of of metal is probably the one I go to the least. It's the one I have the hardest time really getting anything out of. Mellow Death tends to be a point where I can see, you know, something that I like, but it really does only extend as far as at the gates, pretty much. That's what I like in Mellow Death is I like the sound of Tomas barking over those riffs. Um, Cause like I've tried, um, I've tried bits of In Flames. Um, who's the other big one that I can't think of the name of? We've gone well prog. Dark Tranquility, Tranquility. the one they always mention as well. Yeah, Yeah, I've got got a lot of time for Dark Tranquility. To be honest, honest, yeah, Dark Tranquility, they haven't really done loads for me and I've listened to the classics of both them and In Flames. So I've listened to The Jester Ace, I've listened to Clayman, I've listened to Come Clarity. I can appreciate the qualities there. They just don't grab me. So to be honest, like the absolute embarrassing points of in flames like i remember i remember your review of battles and i did just think there's absolutely no point in me wasting my time with that because why would i do that if i don't like their good stuff why would i give a shit about their like embarrassing kind of turds that they curl out every few years so this is the first in flames album that i've sort of properly sat down and listened to and thought about really so it's um somewhat uncharted territories for me although there are a lot of things that obviously i can relate it back to you know there are things there's nothing here that i haven't heard not heard before yeah, I mean, in terms of sort of Swedish metal bands from around, I think the, ha- the Haunted had some good stuff as well. Mm. I've never really got into Dutch tranquility, but like Hypocrisy and the Haunted are uh, both heavier bands than this. But I think there is still something of a through line to it as well. And even Arch Enemy at their best, it- Doomsday Machine has got a couple of good. They got a few good albums around that period. Not that I'm a massive fan of them now. I, I, was just, I think they've got a bit- Arch Enemy even at their best. A one where I'm just like, nah, I don't really need it. Like what you do, happy not to engage with it. Basically, I'm glad that you can still sort of play the middle of the afternoon at Bloodstock. Um, I'll make sure I'm at the chip van or whatever while you're doing that. The chip I don't van, know, the food stall. <laughs> <laughs> the chip van. Oh, heavy metal chip yeah. van. That's going to be the name of the name of this this podcast. I yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what you get with this album then? So basically, I got sent this to review for Metal Hammer, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll slag that off. That's fine. <laughs> yes, I do remember and, saying that. Yeah, and we get a very typically heavy metal album, acoustic two minute intro, with no 
vocals are kind of instrumental mm. thing, which you don't really need, but no. then most of these bands do that. So I was like, okay, here we go. Right, fine. We're going to get a load of boring, undercooked crap, badly produced, processed, phoned in shit, Melodeath Mel. Great. How do I put that into words? And then Slow Decay comes in. And I remember when I first listened to it, I was like, this is a good riff, this. Mm. This is a good riff. It's actually got a very good riff. And the hook on the vocals. I mean, I wouldn't really mean this as a compliment usually when I say this about stuff, but this really, to me, sounded like In Flames. And it was the first time I'd listened to In Flames sounding like In Flames and thought, oh, good. It sounds like In Flames, <laughs> you know? And I think maybe the bar dropped so low that I was like, hmm, at least it sounds like them when they were good. And then it goes into this kind of double time thing and it just battered me. And I was like, this is legit fucking heavy. Mm. Like the riffs sound really heavy. It sounds really battering and it's got the hook. And that is essentially what In Flames have seemingly been incapable of doing for so fucking long. I think this is their first album with Chris Broderick, who used to be in Megadeth. Yeah, which I wouldn't have needed to have been told to know. Like there's... Chris Broderick's sort of mm. guitar fingerprints over a lot of this, which is not a bad thing at all. No, and it really shows. It really shows in the guitars because I think their guitar riffs and their guitar work over the last decade has been one of two monumental... I oh know one of three, let's say. Three monumental problems for Inflames. I think the big problems with Inflames was A, they just stopped writing good riffs and they stopped producing them well. So the production was always a bit like, oh, it's a bit kind of fluffy and a bit kind of like fuzzy and a bit all over the place and not quite a, a bit kind of butt rock mm. like they almost went into that kind of five finger death punchy very sterile sounding cardboardy guitar sound and i was like i want their guitars to sound like death metal guitars right and they haven't been sounding like that so and they're, and they're not very well written riffs really so there's that and i was like well this has got that and then the other th problem is anders frieden who just sounds bored and looks bored, has felt like a man who is just sleep walking his way through his band's entire back catalogue for a fucking decade. So that was a problem as well. And the third problem is, is that they seem to think that our oh, Melodeth's the past and no one likes that shit anymore. So this is our futuristic new music. Well, it's not futuristic and it's not new, actually. It's actually quite dull and it's actually been done by loads of other people and you don't actually do it very mm. well and even if you did it's not actually that good this type of music so if i were you i'd probably just lean in on what you are good at and those have been the problems with inflames for the last 15 years and i think they address all of them on this album and they get pretty close to putting all of those things right after that i was like hmm meet your maker has a proper actual death metal riff, not even really a Melodeth riff, like shiny, harsh, gruesome, precision death metal. Great groove. And Anders Frieden sounds really good yeah. on it. Really good. Like, fuck me, mate. This is good. That melodic vocal part at the end of the massacre, that at the end of the massacre bit, it's fucking really, really strong. And I was just like, Oh, fuck. This is like it came out. Into, this sounds like the follow-up to Come Clarity. 
You know, I was like, this is what they should have been doing since Come Clarity. I don't know how you feel about that, Sam. Um, as I say, I mean, I don't really kind of get as enthused by this kind of stuff. I mean, I do think, basically, I do think this album is good. Um, there is so much of it where I did have to kind of check myself. Where I was like, oh, I mean, it just, you know, kind of sounds like, I like there's a bit of that death metal tone. It's not quite as buzzsawry as the Swedish stuff that I do like, like Entombed and whatnot. And, and At the Gates, I mean, Drink From The Light itself, I think had a great production job. I know some people thought it was a bit muddy, but I think for what it is, it worked perfectly. So this has got a bit more sheen to it. So there were so many times I've been like, oh, it's just kind of doing that like post kill switch thing. And it's like, oh, no, but I mean, kill switch took from this scene anyway. So I did have to kind of keep setting myself in line and set my expectations accordingly. Um, I couldn't say if this is kind of their best in a very, very long time. I mean, are you saying you would put this sort of like just behind come clarity? Like this is the best one since then. Um Oh, this is easily the best thing they've done. Fair play. Well, I definitely won't be going to anything in between because I do like this. I think there are some really great moments on it. And as you say, I think it's the bits where it does go more death metal rather than mellow death, even though mellow death is the thing I tend to gravitate towards more. Like, um, Meet Your Maker, those rolling triplets and the death growls that open up, it's like, bloody hell, this is a proper kind of like Mm. Morrisound studio cacophony. It's absolutely great. It's a lot cleaner sounding than that, but... You know, they have got these still... Ele- we we are the three decades on from that, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and also, I mean... You'd expect uh, well, it. and Inflames have still got their, you know, electronic accoutrements they do have in there. They've got the sort of low-pass dance filter kind of techniques that sneak in every now and then. But yeah, I think for me, when this album's at its best, it's when it's just being a propulsive blast of quite horrible stuff that then has a little melodic break in it. So like, Foregone Port Part 1... I think it's a really, really strong song that does lean into the traditional Melodeth sound as I know it. And mm. even on that, so I felt exactly the same with that acoustic intro. I was like, oh God, is this going to be just like really, really dreary kind of, you know, too obsessed with its own self-importance metal album that is going to be totally thrown away. Even though I knew all the buzz around this was it was the best In Flames album in fucking ages and, and actually good because obviously that could be damning with faint praise given their recent quality. But you get something like Foregone and the little acoustic guitar break in that, I'm like, that's actually smart. That's good use of quite dynamic interplay and like flair because it means that when it comes back in with the absolute barrage, I'm interested again. It's not just flat. It's not just in sort of one midsection. Um, I do think there's a fair bit of it for me that it does get a little bit ploddy. I think I'm just never going to be as enthused by a band like In Flames as, as many, many people are. Um, I think the kind of more folk metally leanings on something like the great deceiver i'm just like yeah it's getting a bit hey nonny nonny now lads and you know the album's been on for about 40 yeah. minutes but it is then followed up by in the dark and a dialogue in b flat minor which i think are really really strong songs i think they're two of my favorite ones i think a dialogue in b flat minor in particular that kind of breakbeat feel that you get on the drums and the bounce that goes with it alongside those choppy riffs and there's some subtle synth strings that don't sound a million dollars, but they, they actually quite work in the context of it <laughs> feeling a bit like a less mad, less bombastic Melodeth version of King Gate 1.0, which is what I kind of hoped for when I read that title, because that title's pretty clunky. And it was like, well, if they can pull mm. off a kind of mad clunk like King Gate 1.0, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that song, because I think Sinajure um, mm. is like a dialogue in b flat minor is pretty much i think it's pretty much the same song but just with a better riff and a better vocal yeah. hook and sort of slightly more interesting dynamics more, more prominent bass i would say and that one is probably the only differentiation yeah. i mean yeah there's a lot of the 
there are there are a lot of hooks across this where I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, I can see why people really like In Flames. And a lot of those hooks I do think come from Anders Frieden. I think his vocals on this, he met the, the three kind of things he does, which is the sort of shrieky barky vocals, the death growls, and then the clean melodic vocals. I think he does all of them to a pretty high standard. And so he's carrying a lot of the a lot of the bits of this album where I think the riffs wouldn't necessarily because my problem with Chris Broderick as a guitarist is that sometimes he relies too heavily on his technicality rather than his riff writing so i think having him in a band that are already established tempers that a little bit but there are some bits from like could this instrumental break not have been cut short a little bit so we can get back to the song bit but yeah i think this is good it's easily my least favorite album of the four that we're doing this week yeah that's fair i mean you know i think it's just a surprise to hear in flame sound like a good metal fair play fair play for me you know, I think there is stuff on here. You know, th- th- this is not the blackening no, as no, a return no. to form, right? This is much more through the ashes of empires, I would That's say, fair. if you're doing a, a comparative thing, right? Because it's got stuff like, I mean, I think the great Gustiva is really good, actually. I think that actually sounds a bit more like a Megadeth song. Mm. So maybe it doesn't quite fit in flames in terms of what they, they are and what you think of them as. But I think Chris Broderick brings that kind of dizzying, swerving uh, technical metal to um to in flames in a fairly interesting way and that, to me that's where they should have been going since come clarity yeah. they should have been going for that for a long time i think you're right you know the title track is two parts the first part is brilliant and part two is a bit of a kind of hey nonny it's nonny a bit wet isn't it yeah. Wet, yeah it is a little bit i mean i think bleeding out sounds a bit like something that parkway drive might not have bothered <laughs> using but i think yeah. again like you know the the it's got a kind of catchy hook of an earworm chorus mm-hmm. bit and i think for me like pure light of mind is wicked like i think that is anders frieden like back on form like it's really really great i think it does the thing that makes this band tick and he sounds fucking excellent here uh, you know some of it you know stuff like in the dark is a bit boring i think it's not awful it's just a bit you know fine mm. but this is an actual is this a great in flames album like it's not an all-time great in flames album but i think this is a good version of the thing that they have done to monumentally high standards right and you could go well isn't that a step backwards but i think when you've been so bad (laughs) for so long right i just think that i've said this a whole bunch of times before as a band as an artist you kind of need to understand your limitations Mm. right now in flames are not in the same way as you know when machine head go and do these flights of fancies yeah and and then you get catharsis some of them some of them work and some of them don't and some of them when they don't work they are really Mm. bad right and i think in flames have been coasting on either just not being bothered or going we're going to do something different and i mean i remember interviewing anders in 2014 when simon charms came out and i interviewed him for team rock radio and i sort of said there will be people here who will be listening who will be hoping that you're going to go for another claimant or another kind of da, da, da. and he said oh that's the past you need to get over the past and da, da, da. and i don't mind bands saying mm. that if they're making some like if you went up to tom york and went why aren't you making pablo honey anymore <laughs> he'd go fucking hell mate as if i want to write creep again are you yeah, crazy yeah. like i've uh, c- does it sound like I can't, like I'm no good at doing all the other stuff? But I think, you know, that's because his limitations are way, way, way further away. In Flames, have a thing that they can do. And it's not a bad thing that they can only do that no. thing. 
that's just the thing they can do you know we we reviewed obituary and we weren't going oh my god the obituary album's incredible blah 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 but it was a good album it's a good mm. album because obituary know exactly who they are no one wants a fucking four minute ambient industrial soundcloud rap mumble rap fucking latin jazz breakbeat from obituary they just want death metal and obituary are aware of that and they know that that's the thing they have to do if you only need a certain amount of it that's up to you i in all honesty probably only need a certain amount of inflames mm. but i've always been because i love them at their best so much because i think claiming is fucking incredible i do kind of go well i would rather listen to them this makes me want to go and see them again. okay like they played brixton at the end of last year and i nearly went and i ended up not going because i was like well i've seen them be kind of yeah too many yeah. times so i'll just drop it out and i didn't go if they came back around it again now with this i probably would want to go and want to see them probably would actually be very keen to yeah. see it because i think chuck a few of these in bin off the last decade and then give us some kind of greatest hit set lovely stuff lovely stuff fair play my my only question is i mean so as you said they're sort of you know returning to safer territories and comfortable ground and obviously this album has been getting um a a really positive reception um because it it sounds like the influence of people like as you have put it i wonder is this going to be a bit of a death magnetic where everyone's having a sort of like oh it's a great return to form they're back doing the thing that we love but obviously they're a couple of decades on now they're not quite as adept at it i'm i mean I don't know and like Inflames enough to know if this is absolutely a world away in quality from their very, very best stuff. But I wonder, is this going to have a really long tail? Are people still going to be talking about Forgone in the in 10 years' time in the way that they would talk about Clayman, do you think? It, it depends what the next album sounds I suppose like. so. But then, I mean... If they bring out an album as good as Clayman, because let's be honest, like, the Blackening is as good as, like... I mean, it's, I don't like it as much as Burn My Eyes or The More Things Change, but it's incomparable in quality to those two first machine albums, sure. right? Whereas it, it, Through the Ashes of Empire isn't really. So if that's this, and then I think people will go, oh, Foregone is a really, really good album because it sort of stopped the rot and it put them to a place. And now they've got this new album, fucking amazing new album. I don't know if that will happen. I yes. don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't, you, you know, like at the moment, you would say it's more, it's still more unlikely than it is likely. But, it, you know, if they come back and the next time sounds like battles and they, you go, well, what was the fucking point of being sort of... Excited again. You know, <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good for an album. Like, what was the fucking point? So who knows? I, I think we, we can't answer that until we've heard what comes after it. I think this is not a glorious return to form, but it is certainly... Cause the, correction, perhaps. Yeah, shit being steered in the correct direction. Well done, Chris Broderick, in that case. And even even that feels like a fucking win <laughs> after what we've heard from Inflames. Is that how bad it's got? My it's God. Been yeah foregone by in flames is out now as is this came out last week young fathers heavy heavy the fourth studio album from the scottish indie rock band a band i don't really know that much about i'm not gonna lie it's a follow-up to their 2018 album coco sugar i know a lot of people fucking love this mm. band and i know they were in train spotting 2 soundtrack quite a lot i think danny boyle said that they were an integral part oh of okay by all I, i've not seen train spotting yeah. i'm afraid it felt like a kind of pointless sequel and i remember the reviews being quite lukewarm so it's like i won't waste my time with it yeah it yeah. was all right i know that but they as a band who they are and where they're from and what they are have just completely passed me by i don't really know anything about them at all i actually saw dave fenson dave all right mate um from pop collaborate and listen 
I saw the other day and he was saying, I absolutely fucking love this band, which is always a good sign because he's got very, very good taste mm-hmm. in music. So I was pretty keen to check this record out. Uh, before we get into it, Sam, what do you know about this band? I have absolutely no prior relation with Young Fathers. I'd not even heard of them until the day this came out when I saw the Twilight Sad retweet um, Young Fathers account just saying, the album's out now. Obviously, you know, slightly more flowery and <laughs> celebratory way than that. But I saw the artwork and I thought, wow, that's a really, really striking, you know, visual. And if Twilight Sad are shouting them out, I could do worse than check out this album. Oh, it's 32 minutes. Yeah, I'll definitely put that on. And uh, yeah, um, I, I've got a lot of homework to do, I think, with this band because let's not beat around the bush. This is, well, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to agree with me. This is fucking incredible, Steve. Yeah. I mean, look, I've called them a Scottish band and they are a yeah. Scottish band because they formed and they're from Scotland. But they're three people. Graham G. Hastings, who's born in Edinburgh, grew up in mm-hmm. Edinburgh. Uh, Aloysi Aloysius Massacre. Aloysius, okay, Massacre, who was born in Libya, uh, Liberia and moved to Edinburgh at the age of four. And K.S. Bankol, who was born in Edinburgh to Nigerian parents. So there is this mad mix of influences from uh, Afri- African and. African rhythms and sort of tribal beats mm. mixed with euphoric yet dour indie rock. I don't, I think that's a quite a good descriptor of what this record is, but it is a vague description. It's a vague one. And I think it doesn't quite do justice to quite how much is going on here, but then I couldn't put it any better. I mean, you know, when I, when I was looking for kind of, descriptors it's like i mean the only thing i could really think is yeah there's that kind of lilting sort of folksy indie kind of thing that is colliding with i mean the horrible well, interminable phrase but world music where it does have as you say that kind of like african sort of rhythm and uh, instrumentation and stuff that you would hear in kind of mm. your stereotypical if you're watching a film where they're doing a sort of um a stereotype of like tribal music this is the kind of thing they would use. But here, obviously, it does come from a very genuine place and is used to great effect and with um, well, what feels like a great amount of reverence because the whole album's got such a warm feel to it. Like, it feels very celebratory, even though, I mean, I still haven't really sort of got through the surface of the lyrics but because they're no, I mean, quite yeah. obtuse, but I feel like they are talking about some quite serious topics here. I, I did come across a review where they were talking about Rice and how, uh, the opening track, Rice, and how it does... Um, sort of explore uh basically military conflicts in a lot of african countries and it's like blimey i mean i didn't get that from this but there is an intensity to the whole thing even though it's not an in-your-face album there's a fiery intensity that goes in it in amongst that warm production it's really quite dizzying i would say but i am absolutely blown away by it i think it's amazing if it's amazing it grabs you straight away i mean you mentioned the first song which has this kind of tribal tribal afro beat thing but rides along on a variety of different vocal mm. hooks and some distorted electro rock um and i think as a as a and a hodgepodge and a, a, as a type of sound a style it grabs you so tightly so immediately like i was yeah. in yeah, i was yeah, in yeah. that world and it's weird because it's such a dizzying and unusual 
mix of stuff and yet at the same time as soon as i heard it i was like fuck me amazing here we go like this is i'm, I'm, I'm mm. in and it carries on like that pretty much through the whole fucking record i mean i saw is that but cooler i guess again killer beat really aggressive vocal yeah. But like, but again, like you say, celebratory. And it gets to this massive climax with this hugely melodic, like amazing chant going on in the background. And it it is weirdly kind of threatening and euphoric at the same time. Yeah, it's a, it's a hypnotic it's mantra. It's fucking a, amazing. Uh, sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say mm. that song in particular, it's like a hypnotic mantra on a dance track and like sort of with all those elements thrown in, but more of a kind of swinging beat. I mean, to me, that song sounds like it would be at home at both, glastonbury and arc tangent there is so much going on so many disparate elements thrown together but then it is just an absolute fucking rager at the same time yeah i mean it goes through you know there's this, there's a kind of electro drum throb and an almost but not quite rap vocal on drum without it really being explicitly either of those things it's very very interesting and it just builds to this really really cool crescendo but piles more and more stuff onto it it's amazing tell somebody is like this I mean, I said it's like Justice fronted by David McCullman in, in a church. Nice, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like unbelievably celebratory and yet still huge. But for me, this album goes from a, holy shit, this is really interesting and it's very, very good, to being like, mark this down as potential kind of come the end of the yeah, year, yeah. getting super high up in in some sort of album of the year list with geronimo mm. which goes for that tricky massive attack sort of thing at the start you get a very soulful vocal coming in behind it a minute or so in and it is just amazing this song mm. it is mad good mad 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 good it's absolutely fucking amazing, that song. Yeah, Geronimo uh, may not even be the highlight, but it's certainly the point, as you say, where the album just goes from like, okay, you know, a high score to an even, even higher or like a kind of astronomically high standard. And I think for me, it's that kind of, there's that loose sparseness of it. And then when you get the dual vocals of both Aloysius and uh, Chaos, being quite in your face for the first time that we, in a way we've not really had on the album to this point, like it is much more kind of markedly, I mean, aggressive feels like the wrong word because this isn't an album that feels angry, but it does feel intense all the way through. So I'm going to go with aggressive, but it doesn't really capture it. But then there's so much of this that is hard to capture. Um, It's the way that the vocals for me there become a center point rather than just an embellishment of all the compositions. I think that's really, really cool. Um, And that one, again, just has this amazing crescendo as it just goes into this kind of repeated lyrical phrase that blossoms into this just mad celebration at the end and i honestly think i think the second half of the album is where it really comes into its own for me i think if i was gonna have an absolute highlight i mean it would be it'd be let me guess go on can i guess i think it's holy moly it would be between that and uh ululation i think is absolutely beautiful as well i think that goes um that is sort of similar note to rice but i think it's got a little even more sort of upped intensity but yeah it is yodeling isn't it i mean i don't think it is yodeling but it sounded like it's that kind of like throat singing yeah throat singing i guess is probably closer i think there is a specific term for it but i don't know what it is but i thought that was absolutely wonderful but yeah holy moly i mean yeah, it's heavy really heavy cool. bass and percussion staccato delivery i mean it's superb it flows so beautifully it's the heavy one so of course i really like it but like sounds like death it does sound like, like death not grips. a borderline death grips yeah. right and then that fucking sweet female vocal mm. comes in at the end and it's just 
I don't know how they managed to sound like Death Grips, but it still sounds sweet yeah. as well. It still sounds really melodic and really kind of catchy. Uh, really, really great. I think Be A Lady, which ends the record, is an incredibly soulful, lovely way to end the record. I mean, that's pretty much everything that we've spoken about. There's only 10 tracks in 40 minutes. Oh, Sink and Swim, which is, a, again, very, very tense sounding. Mm. Lots of kind of call and response. Lots of like building that kind of locomotive style rhythm parts. And then at the end, it just seems to lose its shit. Yeah. Like, I think you're right. The second half of this record is absolutely fucking incredible i think the first half of it is brilliant and the second half is incredible yeah. i think this is so unusual so cool and just it's one of those rare times where you hear something which to me feels unusual and unique and experimental but also deeply catchy yeah like first listen i was like my leg was jiggling along to it like crazy mm. it, it's fucking great this record it is absolutely fucking brilliant fucking brilliant yeah i reckon this will be coming up again uh at the tail end of 2023 i think um it's it's so bewildering that it's gonna take it's gonna take more time to really get my head around it and this is the album i've listened to most out of the ones we're talking about i think mm. i've probably listened to this best part of 10 times since last friday because i just it's just so good it's so infectious like you say it is it's a real sideline because I've never heard anything like this in the way that it combines the kind of the dis seemingly disparate elements it's got and can sound absolutely bizarre at times, but is always so welcoming throughout. Like it doesn't feel like an album that wants to push anyone away. It's trying to welcome you in, even though it is so unfamiliar. I yeah, absolutely love it. How many year contender? Uh, absolutely. I mean, for me, I mean, at the moment, at the moment, it's, I'd say this is, pretty much the best album i've heard of 2023 this is definitely the best album i've heard of 2023 i know i know you really really liked bully by velvet negroni i still yeah i do yeah i think this much. is better than that yeah, i mean i think i think this is more consistent all the way this through. is uh, pretty far out in front at the moment to be honest yeah um it's out in front uh it's not that f well, it is out in front but it's been followed i'd have to say actually weirdly by Let's Start Here by Little Yachty, mm. the fifth studio album from the George. So that's Heavy Heavy by Young Fathers, by the way. You need to go and listen to yes. that. It's fucking brilliant. Let's Start Here by Little Yachty, the fifth studio album from the Georgian rapper, the follow up to his 2020 album, Lil Boat 3. Or if you want to can count mixtapes and stuff, his 2021 mix mixtape, Michigan Boat Boy. This is one of those names that I had looked at a few years ago and just gone, nah. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was one of those folks who was into that sort of mumble rap thing. And I didn't really have that much interest in his work particularly. So this is really the first little Yorty music that I've ever been bothered by. And having listened to some of his other stuff in the aftermath of listening to this record, this is a pretty unusual record for him. Um, this is a thing that he's called a psychedelic project. He said it's not a rap album. And I think that's fair to say. I mean... Just before I get into it, like Little Yorty Sam, you ever listened to him before? No, I think come from a very much similar place where uh, quite often when I see the prefix Lil in someone's name, I assume it's going to be more in line with like Lil Zan. So that awful kind of SoundCloud rap that I really can't stand. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, I have changed my mind over the last few weeks, to be honest, since really discovering Lil Nas X properly, listening to his stuff. But um, the only reason I was particularly aware of this album or, or even wanted to give it a try is um, a mate of mine called Greg, uh, who I used to work with a few years back. He um, 
really into well really into kind of all, all his forms of hip-hop and ambient stuff like he really likes Tame Impala um he's originally from Gdansk and really likes a lot of the you know kind of stuff that comes out of that scene he messaged me out of the blue for the first time in about three years to say mate you should listen to this album and he described it as Purple Floyd Dazed and Confused and Little Impala which I think is not a bad set of shouts to be fair Greg so well done mm. if you hear this Hmm. He was on the Tame Impala album, Little York. Yeah, uh, it was a remix with, of theirs with... last year I saw. Yeah, That's yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I think this is bloody good, this Yeah, album. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it because I thought, well, even if it is a bit more psychedelic, it'll just be like kind of a bit of ambient with someone doing sort of, I don't know, maybe some of the kind of more trap, like um, pop sort of hip hop stuff, maybe even a bit of mumble rap. But I mean, the Black Seminole, the first song on it, um, those synth arpeggios that open, I was like, well, as a layman to this kind of music, this is not what I expected at all. And then it basically mm. just turns into a 70s prog song. It's really psychedelic, but it's got funk bass running underneath it. It's it's in the flesh. It is in the flesh. Yeah, that's a re- yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, it, it it's in the flesh by it, Pink Floyd. I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's in look, the flesh until the, Diana Gordon comes in at the end and does Great Gig in the Sky, which is brilliant as well. And it's got a Gilmore yeah. solo in the middle of it. It absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, look, it reminds me of Pink Floyd, and I think a lot of this record reminds mm. me of Pink Floyd, you know? Um, and I like this record, but weirdly, not really because of Little Yorty. I mean, I think he's fine. He's a decent enough rapper, and he doesn't even really rap loads, and there's a lot of kind of singing, full-blown mm. singing on this album. But I think the production and the various soundscapes that he weaves on here is what the killer thing here is. I mean, what you've just said um, about it being like Pink Floyd's and then you get kind of great, you know, it's in the flesh going into great gig in the sky. Don't haven't really mentioned him particularly. I think he's mm. fine on it. And then like you so say, Diana Gordon comes in and and it's great. And that's basically how I feel about most of this album musically. It's cool. He's not amazing. I think the auto tune vocals, which he utilizes a lot, uh, are mostly fine because. Like I said, it's more singing than actual I rapping th- a lot of I it, think right? when he does use the auto-tune on the rap bits, it actually makes sense in the context of it being a kind of psychedelic fever dream. So I genuinely thought that was quite a smart use of auto-tune on this album. But um, but yeah, when he's singing, he doesn't need it quite as much. But I don't really hear it as much when he is doing the the more sort of falsetto, soulful vocals on, um, on mm. something like We Saw The Sun. I thought that was really, really good. And I, I thought his performance on that and particularly the kind of... Um, or second and third from last song, so should I be in The Alchemist? I thought that was where he gave yeah. his best performance. But you're right, I think for the most yeah. part, he's kind of the other guest vocalist who really steal the show. I mean, I did note that broadly, my favourite tracks on this, uh, which are The Open of the Black Seminole, um, Drive Me Crazy, and I've Officially Lost Vision, are all the ones that Diana yeah. Gordon's on. And it's like, well, she's kind of the vocal star for me because she does just hit that kind of... Um, able to go from a soulful croon to a just kind of like elegiac shriek seemingly on a dime she is brilliant on this yeah i mean look, i think um you mentioned i've officially lost vision yes. which starts like a kind of industrial song like it's much more upbeat mm. it powers forward and it builds and it reaches a crescendo and then it drops back a gear which at first i was like that's oh, a bit of a shame because i thought we were going somewhere and it is quite a marshmallowy lausch kind of psychedelic um, I was going to say ambient, but it's not even necessarily ambient, but it's just a kind of floaty kind of album for a lot of it. And I was like, okay, we've got something a little bit harsher sounding here. And it dropped back and I was like, ah, but I still like it. And it's an interesting idea. But then, like I say, you get to that bit with, um, you know, the slow 
piano build and i was like this is definitely the most interesting song mm. dynamically on this record it, it's really really good and you know drive me crazy again it's probably the first time that album comes at you on the front foot you know that snare and shuffle yeah, and diana gordon i think you know she's just singing there's no real obvious effects on her vocals it's not auto-tuned it's not pitched up at all she's just singing and i think it's great and i think when little yorty comes in with his verse it shows up how much <laughs> better she is extra yeah. a good vocalist could could have brought this album because i don't think the hooks on this are that great and you get stuff like that paint the sky sounds like that tv mania song we were talking about mm. earlier yeah it's fine. it's fine it's fine that um paint the sky um to me felt like because it comes off the back of this weird um cut at the end of say something where it's you know it's sort of changing the tape deck and it's like oh is it a bit of a concept album oh there seems to be a through line of people in a car and everything but it just stops turns into that then you get paint the sky which not a load happens and then we get to should i be which i think is one of the stronger tracks on the album and it's one of the few where yeah, it's good, one of the yeah. few where there's no one else on it or no guest vocalist i should say there are sort of guest producers and contributors musically and stuff but it's just yachty doing the vocals for that one and the alchemist i i that's as end of shikari the alchemist it does I which i i like i quite like latter day and shikari anyway i'm not okay. that bothered about the early stuff really um which i know is sacrilege how dare i enjoy well-written songs that don't just have screaming and claps um but yeah paint the mm. sky to me there are a few bits on this um and it is mostly the interludes let's be honest which are pretty long as far as interludes go where there's just sort of a spoken word recitation over some woozy atmosphere um they do feel like they uh, overstuff the album because it's you know, it's best part of an hour it's like 57 minutes you don't need something like Paint the Sky you could just have to be honest just I've officially lost vision maybe half of Say Something straight into Should I Be and then finish on The Alchemist because I think the Reach the Sunshine is a bit of a stumble as a finale because it I, I don't think the ebbs and flows on that one work quite as well as it has over the course of a whole album whereas on Young Fathers on Heavy Heavy I actually think the final song on that is a really good snapshot of all the disparate elements yeah. they've done but that flows together so much more beautifully well Reach the Sunshine brings in something completely different doesn't it it brings that kind of Mexican guitar mm. western Morricone standoff thing and I do like it it's not amazing but it does build it kind of re-reaches the place where we'd started the album at I think and I think you know it, it kind of ends in the way that maybe it should have done there's a few other things that i wanted to mention Definitely. like pretty is a sex song lynn <laughs> i'm not that keen on it to be honest it's not a great song and when he's talking about grabbing titties i feel so sexy i'm like oh, I don't it's really the least sexy thing i've heard in quite a while yeah. yeah but i really like that the bass line on running out of time is really cool and again that kind of funk thing it reminded me of something that genesis of wusu would come mm. up with and i think he again he sounds good here you know heavily auto-tuned not so i like and I don't like it overused, but I don't think it's overbearing here. No. And, you know, there's stuff like the start of We Saw the Sun. It reminds me of like something Turnstile might do. And it's weird this because <laughs> yeah. this is basically, I think the actual execution of this is really good. I think Little Yachty is not really the star of his own album. Mm. And whilst that isn't necessarily a problem for me, I think it might be a problem for other people. I do still think it would be a better album if he had a bigger presence on it and if he kind of stamped his authority on it a little bit more. Saying that, though, this is a really unusual mix of Little Peep, Turnstile, and The Flaming Lips, essentially, mm. which is like a fucking... That's a pretty cool idea, yeah, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. a pretty cool idea to take very lausch, low-energy, modern mumble rap, hip-hop, SoundCloud rap, turn it into psychedelic flaming lips alt rock and give it a slight modern punk rock 
edge mm. as well. Like I don't, I think that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool idea. And for kind of idea alone, I like this. And I think there's enough on it that I would definitely go back to. Like, like I say, you know, I think um, when you get to drive me crazy, I've officially lost vision, running out of time, you know, the, the first track yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's there's stuff here that that will last definitely. I don't think it all works, but I think it always remains interesting at the very oh, least. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I think my biggest problem with this album is just the way that they've written the song titles because that just really irks me. And when I when I was <laughs> yeah, going, it's to, fucking oh, annoyed, man, it? so annoyed. When I was going to press play, I was like, I bet this is going to be really really tough, and this is going to feel every one of its fifty it's like emojis and shit in some of them. It's like yeah, fucking like smiley faces in your. Oh, title honestly, don't and just and stuff. Oh, on, use your fucking capitalization properly, you idiot. But yeah, there are some really really strong tracks on this. I'd say there's yeah. Out of 14, six tracks I'll definitely go back to. And then there's a fair few that I'm like, yeah, they're all right. I don't think there's much that needs outright taking off this. It's basically just some of the interlude moments and some of the... It is quite yeah, long. It, it is long. It definitely needs trimming. I mean, even some of the great songs... Just under an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even some of the great songs, I think, um, could do the bit of trimming as well. Like The Black Seminole, I think, is great, but it's the best part of six minutes. It's like, probably doesn't need to outstay its welcome like that. But no, I like this. I think this is good. I think this is uh, another pretty strong album and definitely one that's um, sidelined me because I didn't expect someone who has come from kind of mumble no. rap to do something that I liked. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Let's start here by Little Yorty is out now. Also coming out today, Narrowhead, Moments of Clarity, the third studio album from the Texan-based alternative rock band. Now, back in 2020... They released an album called Twelfth House Rock, mm. and I thought that album was was good. You know, I thought that was a, I thought it was a good record. I thought they were doing a bunch of stuff that aped shoegaze from the nineties, alternative rock from the nineties, the Smashing Pumpkins, Mud Honey, uh, a little bit of Deftones, and a little bit of Helmet and Quicksand and that sort of thing. And a little bit of My Bloody Valentine or Ride or whatever. And I like that, right? I like the idea and I was like, I like all these songs, these things. But it didn't really stay with me for that long because obviously I grew up with that stuff and I listened to it when it came out and it's all in my head now. And it means that bar is viciously mm. high. Those bands are some of my favourite, 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 favourite bands who've made some of my favourite, 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 favourite music. So... The bar is incredibly high. If you're going to do music that reminds me of that, why am I not going to go and just listen to Siamese Dream or... Slip. Yeah. You know, whatever. Slip, yeah. So I was interested in this coming out. Um, but I still, like a lot of these bands, I was like, will it stick? Will it stay with me? Will Moments of Clarity be able to do something which stays with me? And I, I, I was interested in this coming out because I'd heard the singles in advance, which I spoke mm. about on our podcast at the start of the year and I thought they were really exceptional really really good really reminded me of De Deftones with the, the sort of shoegazy stuff amped up a lot so um, and a lot of like alt rock stuff as well so you like Curb Dog doing Koino Yokan cool. if you like but yeah go oh, on, I was going to say? say can I guess what the singles are because I haven't actually checked what they were but now you've said all that I'm guessing it's Gearhead and Flesh and Solitude Um, I think hold on let me find when, when they were released and what order they were released in, because I want to get this completely okay, okay. right. I'm going to get them up on spot on Spotify now. So yeah, gear. So moments of clarity was the first oh, okay. single. Fair enough. 
then Gearhead, then Caroline. Ah, okay. Ah, right. Caroline is not what I mm. expected. But fair enough. Fair enough. What did you say? You said Gearhead uh, and... The one that immediately comes after it. Uh, Flesh and Solitude. Right, okay. Yeah, no, that didn't. That wasn't a single. Because basically, you saying about the kind of Deftones, alt-rocky stuff with, you know, a bit of that Curb Dog and a bit more shoegaze. That's basically that point in mm. the album, isn't it? Like, I think this is a really good album all the way through. And yeah. then there are those two songs where it's like, and now we've got Around the Fur with a bit more reverb. And that's totally cool with me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the bar for this shit is well mm. high. When it comes in when the reel comes in, you get kind of quicksand and helmet. It reminds me of immediately, but you get a very dreamy vocal, a kind of deftones lifting chorus thing as well. And I was like, okay, this is, this is really, really mm. good. This is really good. And the title track, which again was one of the ones I listened to has that kind of post hardcore New York groove and a sort of stomp, like the band hand, hand some, not Hanson, not Umbop. <laughs> Just this awesome driving melodic stomp. I thought it was really, really good. You've got the song Sunday when the riff is Mine by Deftones. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably actually a bit of a better song than that. I mean, I think the chorus is super saccharine mm. in the best way. It's like a kind of candy floss, sweet chorus. Uh, Trepanation has got like a sacramental metal 90s mashup. Well, like far yeah. Deftones and Will Haven all put together um there's a little bit of the get up kids organ stuff we gotta go a bit pinkerton on the world caroline sounds like smashing pumpkins yeah, yeah. flesh solitude is it i mean that is wilma's rainbow by helmet oh, yeah absolutely like that that is what that is that is just oh we're doing wilma's rainbow by helmet and i think if you're gonna rip something off that's the one to rip off and i like <laughs> the fact that they mix the vocals up a bit with some actual sort of screaming over that more dreamy stuff which yeah is a is a bit deftones um like it's very 90s you know i think there's, there's even um uh the final track softer touch has got this like 90s breakbeat it's mm. like fucking mud honey and sir mix a lot on the judgment <laughs> night original soundtrack wow. but, but but you know it's way more slight than that but like yes this is just a load of all of the good bands from the 90s kind of mashed up together on one album the question is are the songs as good as the songs that those guys made well um i can't speak to that i mean i would i would err on the side of no because you know as you say when you're going up against like material from meantime and material from around the fair let alone siamese dream um and i i do even hear uh, one of the other little bits that i hear in here um some songs like sunday for example and i think even on breakup song you get these really nice melodic guitar solos that made me think of kind of clarity and um bleed american era jimmy world just in terms of that execution I don't think there's anything on here that grabs me as much as those, but we are talking about some of the best songs of the best era for music. So it's a high bar, as you say, but I mean, it's difficult because that shouldn't really be a rod to beat Narrowhead with because they are clearly doing this to a high standard, but they're a, they're deliberately placing themselves in a comparative point of some of the best songs that have ever been written. I mean, there's nothing on here that gets close to like a Be Quiet and Drive, for example. If we're thinking of that kind of 90s old metal that has a little bit of a shoegazy reverby element, there's nothing getting anywhere close. But I do think it's a strong album. I think for me, it is when it goes heavier because that is just what I like, obviously. Mm. So Trepanation, I think the Doomy riff on that is really, really cool. And I like um, Jacob, um, I think it's Duart, Duarte, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name, but Jacob's vocals. I think it really works on that, that juxtaposition of the 
dreamy shoegaze vocals and a doomy riff it's been done before but if it ain't broke don't fix it and then yeah gearhead and flesh and solitude the call and response of the softer ambient vocals and screaming shouting hardcore kind of thing that's great um to be honest you've basically just rattled through every single one of my notes by listing all of the bands that it sounds like and it's like well yeah it does it does i mean how do you feel about this overall steve because let's be honest i don't think the songs on here are up to a i've seen my fate or a be quiet and drive or whatever song you want to name from whatever band you know there's not anything from gish on here is there no i mean this is one for the 90s kids yeah. even if you aren't a 90s kid and you just love that stuff you know you, you will like this album i'm sure of it. i think you'll fucking love this shit i think a lot of this is really mm. good but i think the influences and maybe as well the time that i heard the influences i don't know if you played if you got someone who was 15 and you played them siamese dream and you played them this back to back which one would they go for i'm still pretty convinced they would go for siamese dream to be perfectly honest i do think they would um I don't think it ever hits the heights of the very best of its influences. And I think that that is the problem with pretty much all of those bands who are doing this very 90s mm. thing. I think none of them are ever going to hit the heights of those bands. But I think in terms of who gets the closest, I think Narrowhead here have got as close as anyone from that scene and that movement probably ever have got and the reason is is that i think riff wise songwriting wise production wise and just the amount of stuff that they're doing mm. wise i think they do loads of things that are just that are really really great i think the only struggle that they have is that the choruses on this album are not as monumentally massive as the chorus to you know bullet for butterfly mm. wings or dine alone or in the meantime or like you say be quiet and drive or fucking whatever whatever kind of 90s band you want to you want to chuck in there that jackademus implies the jackademus implies not as big a chorus as tease me <laughs> by that is actually true to be fair that those choruses that those bands for some for whatever reason it was in that era those bands managed to write these choruses these hooks that were so fucking huge and i think the one thing setting narrowhead apart that leaves them just slightly behind let's be honest like i say some of the best fucking albums ever made by anyone ever you know when you're talking about i've just mentioned melancholy and infinite sadness in the meantime by helmet slip by quicksand and around the fur by deftones like that's a pretty good amalgam of the stuff that these guys are being influenced I would say by so. in a lot of ways yeah. you could go like yeah i mean you could chuck in like there are some really rough guitar parts which sound a bit like bleach um there are some bits that sound like i say a bit like mud honey and there are some bits that sound a bit like my bloody valentine but or even even kind of mid 90s primal scream a little bit as well mm. but like those are so beloved bands like those are the bands that kind of formulated this and perfect and, and really perfected it now i think narrowhead are not that far away from being genuinely comparable i think if you put some of the mid-tier bands from the 90s in i think if you like take feeder take polythene by feeder away this is better than anything feeder <laughs> put out in the immediate yeah, after absolutely 
in the immediate aftermath of them kind of coming out i mean you know there are a lot of bands who were just like completely fine mm. like completely like we were blessed with a lot of great bands doing this at that time and it's because it's just like that was the time that it was doing it but like you know are they better than bush i mean they're completely different to bush to be fair but yeah you know yeah this is better than razor blade suitcase yeah it is um it's really good it's really good it's just it's not as good as the absolute fucking pinnacle of this stuff and i think it's only ever in 2023 it's only ever going to get compared to the absolute fucking bullseye of this stuff and that is an unbelievably high mm. bar but the fact that they're that, that's all i think that's all they need to add really fair play i mean i do think it's a really strong album it's just yeah obviously when you're comparing it to 10 out of 10s that will stand the test of time in guitar music it's like yeah it, it, i'm not sure if it's even just choruses i think there's maybe just there's that kind of x factor that goes into making those albums that is a bit pretty indefinable but i do think this is really really strong so it, you know if we're taking mm. obviously around the fur as a 10 if we're going to put a number on it i'd say this is getting close to if not landed on an eight like i think this is really really strong indeed but you know when when you ask me to compare I definitely it, give this yeah, an eight well fair mm. enough but it's like when you ask me to compare it to these songs that you know have been with me all my life you know and obviously you a lot of them you remember coming out and so you remember the impact of them it's like i mean it's a world away but <laughs> it's a big gap between an eight and a ten it's a big big gap but i big i gap, think now yeah. i'd have made a really really good album here um I agree. Their last album um, didn't really stay with me, but I did like the kind of gloomier, darker feel of it. So I like that they've kept some of that in here, but then juxtaposed it with some more shimmery, sort of jangly guitar bits in amongst the um, the kind of shoegazing elements. I think this is good. I'm very, very intrigued to see where they carry on going to next. I think they've got it in them to write something where you listen to that and go like, fuck me, that could have come out, you know, on revelation records in 1996 and i can pay nothing a higher compliment than that <laughs> he cannot he cannot he's tried but he can't, can't do it can't do it i've tried i've tried my best i can't do it anyway it's called moments of clarity the band are called narrowhead if you are in any way interested in any of that stuff i think you will really really like this this is gaz jones core <laughs> i'm gonna call it from now yeah, on it's fair uh, anyway, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We appreciate your time and your ears and all of that stuff. Go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. There's a shiny new Gwen Stefani podcast waiting for you there if you're so interested. If you're not, maybe you just sit around, twiddle your thumbs for a bit for 24 hours. And then there's a shiny brand new Gorillas podcast uh, that is waiting for you there as well. If you're not either interested in either of those things. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> like, what do you want from me, for God's sake? But we'll see you next week. Next week on the show, Sam. Go on. Uh, uh, Bit of on-the-spot planning. Uh, Paramore? Yeah, it's got to be Paramore, isn't it? Yeah, album. come on, mate. Bit of new wave Hayley Williams. Lovely. Yeah, we tried to get the Paramore album, and obviously it's quite a lot of security around that, so... Could we no get it? No. And you're going to see Stuart Lee tonight. I am, yes. I'll review it and I'll complain about how he didn't do You Suffer. Given he's such great mates with Napalm Death, according to Content Provider. Or whatever, whatever tour mm. it was on, I can't remember. But yeah. it, I, th I think it was Carpet Remnant World. Could well have been, yeah. I think it was Carpet Remnant World. Take your World, word for actually. it. We've to, all done it. Yeah. We've all done it. Actually, no. It was if you prefer a milder comedian, then... Please ask for one. His own clothing for excrement, <laughs> honestly. <laughs>
Oh, are you a sardine? Are you a sardine? Etc. Etc. All right. Anyway, I'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks very much. Goodbye. <laughs>